Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 26, the podcast where we, well, not us, we, but we, the show, both acknowledge and ignore PTSD in surprisingly equal measure. In all, all in the space of less than an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that, much like, we've definitely acknowledged elements of this before, where, you know, the more things change, the more they, you know, they mm-hmm. stay the same, where... TV has definitely changed a lot since the 90s. You know, things are more acceptable now or less acceptable depending on who you talk to, so on, so on. But some things have stayed the same, and uh, speaking about mental illness is always going to be hard. Yeah. Speaking about PTSD mm-hmm. is always going to be hard. Oh, yeah. For obvious reasons, and for un- for not obvious reasons, for people who have never had any experience with it and don't know anything. But one thing that has definitely stayed the same is no matter what the societal, you know, stance is, TV will always be about minimum 20 years behind <laughs> in the sense that even when it's established that PTSD exists, even when it's established that it's haunting and traumatizing and affects you your whole life, they still sum it up every time Every time media <laughs> addresses it in a dramatic format. Yeah. It's always addressed and resolved in less than an hour. Or if in case of a movie, less than two hours. So it's, it's not like I'm trying to tell them that they're, you know, they're not doing a good enough job or whatever. I love that this neighbor is just yeah. apparently filling every single water receptacle in their apartment because every 20 seconds they are that water turns on again. What are they they're doing? They're going to run out of hot water. Yeah, but it's like... Anywho, aside from the person who is just, you know, uh, apparently using the 80% of the water in the state of Washington, um, I always will give people kudos for trying. Mm-hmm. As long as they're not doing it for, you know, the, the shitty reasons, you know, so on, so on, or it's really crappily done. Now, that being said, this is not a bad episode, and it's not a bad example of showing PTSD. It's just always funny to me that they really they go in-depth. Yeah, they go in-depth with it, but they also have to, like, you know, have a show where this guy isn't falling apart at the seams. So they have to go, but tuck it in, which is exactly the kind of message you really shouldn't send with PTSD. It's just kind of like telling somebody with depression, don't be sad. You know, somebody with PTSD is like, yeah, just don't have, you know, don't have flashbacks. Don't be traumatized. And it's like, yeah, I'll get on that. Cool. So, yeah, as usual, basically my uh, summation of that is Stargate trying very hard and mostly succeeding. Yeah, (laughs) Stargate is usually pretty earnest about approaching mental health. Yeah. In their episodes. Yeah. So yeah, as we'll see in next week's episode yes. as well. So as yeah, so on that's that, that's wild that they follow up Gamekeeper with Mead. Yeah, they were clearly on some kind of um, thematic element. I can't them. Oh no, I'm not. They're I'm, going for some good things no, just here. Just because it's queer yeah. doesn't mean it's bad. Honestly, honestly, maybe Gamekeeper helped lead into. Maybe Mead. yeah, maybe that was their plan. I, who who if, if, whether it was planned honestly or, or whether it was a happy works. accident. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Like a gift horse. In the yeah. Mouth. That, I, my ability to memorize and use a proverb is entirely dependent on how much sense that proverb makes. So, like, that bird in the hand, two in the bush thing, it's like, what? I can never remember, like, all the whatever. Oh, I that. don't know what the, bird in the hand, two in the bush it's, it's something. It's something about, like, luck or something, or, like, prosperity or something. It's like, one bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I, again, it makes no sense, therefore yeah. I can't remember the details. And then there's this one where it's, look, a gift horse in the mouth. I assume it has something to do with horse teeth? Yeah. I don't know horses. Uh, horse teeth checking thing? the teeth for its health. I'm, okay, I have no problem with so the idea that saying, horse teeth indicate health. But I just, okay, <laughs> it, I mean it's not just horse. Um, they uh, 
They used to check slaves. Teeth. Yeah, no, I knew that one. I just again, it's not checking the teeth thing. I'm like, so they're missing teeth. What does that have to do with their like strength? Like, does, a lot is of their times spine it can be an indication of like a disease or something. Yeah, I guess as I was saying, I'm like, I'm assuming there would be vitamin deficiencies yeah. that would show in teeth. I purposely think very little about teeth, little about teeth, and yeah, same, indicate. Same. So my anxiety <laughs> level about dental work in every single possible frame of reference there, yeah. made it so that up until this moment, I've seen that so many times and never once really thought about it, <laughs> why they're doing it. I'm like, yep, that's just what you do. Yep, yep, you're buying a slave, you check teeth. Because, yeah. you know, you're a terrible <laughs> human being, and of course, this is the... Out of that entire situation, the least invasive thing they're doing is checking their mouth. Mm -hmm. So, I guess that's just always been the lowest priority right? for me in terms of care level, which is like, oh no, what horrible thing is this person doing to an autonomous free human being? Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, on that note. <laughs> on that note, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz, and I don't like dentists. <laughs> Same. I, everything I said about the episode was like, you know, kind of like almost dissing it. Mostly just dissing the concept of, you know, the addressing but not addressing. On that note, I'm excited for that episode. This yeah. episode. No, uh, I I tend to remember Gamekeeper fondly. I it's actually... Not, it's not in my, like... It's not, like, as the same as, like, uh, the Joel Hunter episode right, or right. Need, but I don't think of Gamekeeper poorly. Basically, this episode falls on my top ten always skipped episodes. It's not that I don't think fondly of it, it's just it's an uncomfortable episode. Yeah, well, I, it's supposed to be. Right, exactly. And I guess and so the good it news is it, it needs to. It did a good job conveying it, and I saw it for the first time when I was too young. Yeah, that that would and help. It yeah. Kind of scarred me. Not like in a like scarred me kind yeah. of way, but just in the way like, oh this is uncomfortable. Never touch. Yeah, no, <laughs> Bad I <get> kiss. That. <sighs> and now I'm an adult and this is actually gonna be the first time I've really I'm actually gonna be watching it all the way through on purpose. And thinking about and what thinking it's about talking it. about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think this is a good one because of how much it digs into the characters. It's honestly really well timed because yeah. we had a season of the show where we had these basic outlines of the characters. Yes. And the, the cast did a really good job of fleshing that outline out. When you have a good cast, they can do that even in season one, when I don't care how much you think you know the characters you're writing for in a show, season one, you don't know your characters. Oh, yet. hell no. No. Never. Doesn't matter what show you're watching. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Uh, it's even worse if there's a pilot that got filmed a year before season one. Like, season one, you always have to give a little bit of, like... Yeah, you can't have character growth without were. time. It's you can't like, decide, you can't figure out who a person is until you give them time to grow into it. <laughs> it's kind of like how, uh, and you're gonna, be hear, you're gonna be hearing a lot about this as I start watching it with, uh, Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not super fond of Indigo League of Pokemon. Those words. Uh, so, real Season quick. one. Real quick little side thing. I don't actually know how much I've ever actually edited out to completion in over, over all of our episodes, but yeah. for my eternal shame now to the audience forever, I have seen exactly zero episodes of Pokemon. I have watched one movie and I knew exactly Which nothing. Was it? it was the Detective Pikachu movie that I ever watched. <laughs> you don't need to see any of the rest of There you go. I saw Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Eric explained everything I needed to know yeah. and I was content. And we were good. And I know enough about Pokemon by proximity now, after years of yeah. being around you and Eric and everybody. <laughs> I would think. Especially after my job for the last year. So it's, I have learned plenty, but at the same time, I'm also still thing. As when I was a kid, I found it extremely offensive that I couldn't watch Pokemon. Now as an Aww. adult, I honestly don't care. <laughs> no, that's fair. No, honestly, okay, you're, you're going to do with Pokemon what I do with Power Rangers. Okay. Where I listen to the podcast uh, Ranger Danger. I'm going to boost them right now because I love them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen to the podcast where they talk about it, 
I don't watch Power Rangers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... And listening to it is enough. I don't need... Although I am going to watch um, Dino Charge, mostly for Heckle. But, like, I don't need to watch it because they do a fun enough job recapping it. That That's it. I got my enjoyment out of it. There we go. And that's how you can approach Pokemon. So, yeah, what I was getting into before I started talking about Pokemon <laughs> is that... So, season one, you have the framework. The cast fills it out. Season two... Now that we have the framework of the people and the world and the plot already set, now the writers can start digging into it. Mm -hmm. So they can start really digging into what makes these characters who they are. Which is how we get episodes like Gamekeeper, where we take, it's basically, it's not quite a bottle episode, but like in the spirit of a bottle episode, where they're kept in one place and all we're doing is exploring characters. Like, no plot progresses in this at all. No, no, it's, no. it's, it's like a bottle episode. Yeah. But I, the problem with the bottle episode is, strictly by definition, it has only the main cast. I think, if I'm, remember, if no, I'm no. remembering it right. A bottle episode is location-based. Well, I'm sorry, I meant, I meant um, outside the location part. I meant the um, cast involved, I thought, could also only be main. No, you can have um, ex- extras. I remember obviously the main component, which is the bottle episode has to be in one location. My favorite episode, always as an example of this, is the meta-ish episode of Community, where they um, are stuck in the study room for the entire episode. And in the beginning, Abed's like, "I don't want to do that. I want to go to the puppy parade. I don't want this to be a, a bottle episode." <laughs> Literally, as you know, because um, Annie's pen gets stolen, so she's like, "No, no one's leaving until we find my pen." Yeah. And then he goes, "Yep, yep, it's a bottle episode." <laughs> I have a I have a mixed bag relationship uh, with bottle episodes because there's obviously examples of them in, in various media that suck. Yeah, very well, If they're shows. done well, I really enjoy them. Yeah, but if they're done well, fuck them. It's also not detrimental to the season in any way in terms of, like, killing story momentum or something. Yeah. Like, Which is fine, because there's not really any momentum yet. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this isn't, um, not, it, not, the episode I'm about to mention isn't te- isn't really a bottle episode because it does not take place in one location yeah. and so on. Kind of like However, how this one isn't technically yeah, in one location. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the uh, episode of season two's Stranger Things, uh, where Elle goes to meet her powered sister and all of a sudden you had the storyline going for a while and all of a sudden it's Elle's in Chicago for a day learning about some powers and then decides that she needs to go help her friends so then it's like this random episode that kills the entire story momentum and then she just you know shows back up again like we always knew she was for the next episode yeah. and now the story resumes it's everyone goes love you love you love you love you hate you love you love you love you love you for all the episodes <laughs> just hate you not you you suck so those are examples where that episode itself isn't actually that bad it's just that it was a detrimental it to the season the now if that had also been a bottle episode that would be a very good example however it's not but the framework is there enough yeah, for I, the example yeah i understand what yeah. you mean but yeah so this is not like that because like you said there's not really any momentum in that regard set up. It's Granted, there's only three locations. Yes, yeah, so and there's only really three locations. Close to so a it's episode. it's it is bottle episode adjacent. It is a spiritual bottle episode, yeah. as it were, mm-hmm. and it gets the point across. And again, we just finished up a storyline with you know uh, for now finished up storyline with Earth being attacked, and we've done a couple of your Planet of the Week yeah. type things. Mm-hmm. So it's a good place for a bottle episode. Because it's right before any potential new storyline can get going. And it doesn't kill any ongoing element that has been left over from the season 2 premiere. So, yeah. It's a well-orchestrated location for well, the episode. The um, so, after this, we have Need, obviously. And oh. then, the plot starts up again. Exactly! See, that's what I'm talking about. They, 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 the flow is there. Yeah, exactly. Good job. That's 
you can build a show with a variety of types of episodes because you're going to have to. You're going to have multiple writers. Mm -hmm. You need to, by definition, TV shows have to have that complexity that comes with it. And I'm not against it. I'm against when every now and then you might have bad shit. We're against the badness, but we're not against the concept of it existing because, of course, that, that will happen. And it's just really great when it can be done very well because it not only proves the point, but it doesn't make you suffer along the way. <laughs> and, you know, I'm all for not suffering along the way. Yeah, if, if only. If only. So, yeah, I'm I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this, especially because this will be the first time I, like, actually dig into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, today's episode is going to be episode four of season two. And it's called The Gamekeeper. The synopsis is... Oh, there's an exclamation mark at the end. Calm down, please. <laughs> Calm down, please. Okay. Exploring a strange and beautiful garden in a distant world, the team members are trapped, knocked unconscious, and forced to relive their most haunting memories. Now, before they can attempt to find their way home, they must find their way back to reality. That's a really bad <laughs> synopsis. Okay, so um, I understand, of course, as as I'm often pointing out, I understand what they're trying to say yeah. there. However, fuck them. Back to reality. This the thing that they're in is a version of reality. Your yeah. reality is what your reality is. I'm just I know you mean back to the real world. Yeah. But you could have just that, that is a reality. I just on, on a semantic level, <laughs> it drives me crazy. <laughs> I will say I think trying to explain this episode concisely coherently would be difficult so in other words maybe this one time they kind of get a pass except for the exclamation point yeah i'm i'm tired of the dramatics i'm tired of dramatic (laughs) punctuation guys like we all know in our heads the dramatic voice narrator of a of a you know a trailer for next week's episode and i get that that's kind of like what they're trying to do they're trying to trans uh, translate that onto paper yeah the thing is that's just not how that works no so just Understand where you where you're working, uh-huh. and and adjust accordingly, please. Ready to go watch this? Episode? Yeah, let's do this shit. Uh, I'm gonna call this particular episode, um, you know, thematically in my head, this whole tangent thing that we did for the you know, Uh What was it? I always call them a journey, but this one was definitely like almost like an anti-journey. <laughs> I don't have to edit it out. Yeah, that's true, because we, I was going to say, uh, sorry, are you recording? Okay, I didn't know. That's a good actually... question, Mel, I hope I am. <laughs> so I was going to say, uh, we're back, uh, and it took us at least twice as long to watch the episode, because we kept stopping to have very long conversations, which means you at least don't have to edit it. Yes, I, like, I, I keep thinking, oh my god, but then I remember... It's oh, not recorded. We're good. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, I mean, I'm not even that disappointed in us because it's all Dwight Schultz's fault. Yeah, that's true. God, at least, what, 30 minutes of distraction was just talking oh, just about minimum. Dwight Schultz? Yeah, pretty much. Minimum. Yeah. And now we're going to watch 18 between episodes? <laughs> I mean, now we have to. Yeah. Literally. Like, literally. You're it's just required. You're not allowed to watch it without me. We're only watching it together. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I don't ever need to be talked into watching good TV. Especially Dwight Schultz. <laughs> right? I mean, the guy's a, the guy's a gift. But yeah, so, uh, we're back, and <laughs> Liz feels a whole lot stronger about this episode than you did before, right? 
I maintain that thankfully I was, you know, I was good enough to myself to clarify earlier that I was very aware this was probably going to be a different interpretation. Yeah. It's insane to me, though, mm-hmm. just how different... Okay, this is going to sound shitty, but when I was a kid, I definitely had a stronger relationship with my parents. Yeah. And therefore, the elements of Daniel's story mm-hmm. really fucked me up. I can get you. I can it's get that. why, I, like, like I've told you before, how I used to, my, my mother used to read, when I was really little, she, was re, she would read uh, Sorcerer's Stone to me yeah. at night, but I stopped, I wouldn't let her, because mm-hmm. it was too depressing to me. It was, I couldn't conceptualize the idea of people forcing a kid to live in a closet under the stairs. <laughs> and that was just, I, I, yeah. I couldn't do it. I didn't care what the rest of the story was about. All I was focusing on was the abuse there, and it was just like, fuck that shit. No, ah, I don't want to hear about this. And I was just a wee little baby who yeah. couldn't deal with it. But that kind of thing where it's just like, ah, I can't deal with that. I don't care what the rationalization <laughs> is. I don't care what comes after. I'm just sitting here going, wham, wham. I mean, it's literally just that simple. So I, you know, obviously, it's a different you know, time now. <laughs> Listen, I'm not shocked. Um, obviously, you and I have both watched a lot. I think you've watched probably more in general than me because I keep doing this whole thing where I'm like, I have to watch all in order, it doesn't count. And oh, I wind yeah, up yeah. restarting a lot. So I think overall you've definitely seen more Stargate in general than me, especially because you've seen like a yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Season one and two are seasons that I've seen a lot of times. Right, yeah. Because I've done a lot of trying to binge the <laughs> show and stopping like in season four-ish around or whatever. And let's be honest, they're prime rewatchable seasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But there's a difference between just, like, binging a show, even with if it's alone or with a friend or whatever, right. and doing what we're doing here, where we're sitting down, we're taking notes, we're talking about the concepts, the shots, the acting, mm-hmm. where we're actually sitting down and analyzing it. And I can tell you from my own uh, experience, season one had an episode that, in my initial watchings of this show, mm-hmm. I didn't really like all that much. Really? But coming actually sitting down and talking about it and like thinking about what they were doing in the episode and all that stuff it's now one of my favorite episodes the first commandment because originally when i watched it i immediately shut down because of all the religious uh overtones in it and everything because you're not supposed to like what he's doing exactly you're supposed to be uncomfortable and i just like generalize like oh this episode right you it's it's uncomfortable and your feeling was it's uncomfortable (laughs) whereas when we actually started talking about it i was like holy shit robert c cooper is a genius (laughs) right like he's so good at making me uncomfortable (laughs) so like when you were like i'm not sure i was like i think when we actually sit down and talk about it you'll feel a little bit different that's why i was like this isn't a bad episode. Yeah. I just st- stuck with that. And to be fair, like, before this, my impression of Gamekeeper was it's there. I liked that it went into the backstories with um, Jack and, and Daniel and mm-hmm. did all that. I liked that. But overall, the episode itself felt like a it's there episode to me. Oh, yeah. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't need. <laughs> yes. And when I say it wasn't offensive, it wasn't need. I mean, those are the two They're, they're, just, they're separate things. Yes, yeah, it wasn't yeah. offensive, nor was it the intense psychological experience. Um, it wasn't one of the that episodes is need. that sticks with me forever. Like right, me. yeah. But coming back and actually, you know, talking about this with you and rewatching it and thinking about those things and knowing who Dwight Schultz is now and everything. Like, right. Just like, it's an entirely different experience. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, honestly, even if the episode had been, like, not great, not, not well made either. or whatever, yeah, it's just, for me, it's more of just, of course, I focused on one element when I was, you know, I fixated on that one element of it yeah. as a kid, and I really, I can't stress this enough how little about that episode I actually remembered yeah. aside from that, because I vaguely remembered his Black Ops shit. Yeah. But 
the entire the framing of it. Literally nothing else. Mm-hmm. That was all gone. <laughs> that was that was nothing. I remember him the guy dying a couple times, maybe. But even yeah. then it was like, eh, how much of that was that episode, how much of that was a different guy dying? Who knows? The memory goes together and it's me. But you know, so on, everything all going on with that. Um I definitely only had that one emotion part. So what I said earlier, I was like, you know, looking forward to seeing it. I was genuinely looking forward to seeing it again, just for, at the very least, it, even if it had been a crappy episode, it would have given me the rest of the context that I was missing for all yeah. these years. Mm-hmm. So at least I'd get the memories rounded out. And at the very least, it's a point of something we can, you know, we, we bring up the episode that shall not be named a few times because of its examples. Even if it was, badly, even if it was a bad episode, it was still be something to like, like a lodestone at the very mm-hmm. least, something to reference. So it was, I was determined to look at it from like a positive point, even if I end up not mm-hmm. enjoying it. Like it did hurt me too much or like yeah. anything, anything that could have been a negative experience, I was determined to not see it that way. It yeah, turned out honestly, to be remarkably easy not to, <laughs> it was not, it, it wasn't bad. It was only good. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> not surprising because the writer for this episode was a uh, dual team effort of Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright. And the director was one of our favorites, Martin Wood. Just, sorry, I, as you were saying that, for some reason, that's the last piece that slipped something into, into place for me. I just realized this is, um th- those two are great, the creators, yeah. the writers, mm-hmm. everything, and this is obviously lore building and so on. What kills me is it did reveal one thing. It revealed the two characters they have exactly put yeah. 30% of effort into. Yeah, it's no. like they literally called no, out in the episode the two characters fair. they haven't bothered to build they backstories for yet. Yeah, for like, we'll get to you. And we will get to them. <laughs> yes, I just, I just happen, I just love that, of course, it no, happens to I, be the woman and the person yeah, of color. Yeah. Of no, course. You're, you're absolutely right. <sighs> yeah, and, and I don't think any of the episodes they've written do have strong moments with those two. And Good writers are allowed to have weak points. At least they are aware, yeah. I'm guessing, because I'm guessing that they were aware of the fact that they were not a woman or a person of color, mm-hmm. and therefore decided that they were going to write to their strengths. However, a different frame of mind might have been to find somebody that could have help you yeah. make them join the team, and then your episode potentially could... I'm not saying this had to be the way for this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that thing where you admit your strength is your weaknesses, whatever, is great. But the moment that you tell people that you're aware that you need to work on something by, and you're not going to insult them by not doing it in the episode, it's both kind of respectful because again, it's they half did, the work. It's, again, it's half the work. It's half the respect. Yeah. You know, it's like, I get what you were trying to do, which is not fuck it up. But you should have kept going. Right? Mm-hmm. And I understand, of course, also on top of that is the fact that Jack and Daniel are the main yeah. people. However, that just plays into it more, which is why is it always white yeah straight yeah. men no, absolutely these correlations you're saying exist are not <laughs> they're only correlating because you reinforce it mm-hmm. so it does annoy me no i get where you're coming but from. i will have to say i'm happy that they didn't fuck it up yeah and i more, also you know by not doing it by I doing also it i mean. will give the episode credit that they had good reason not good is <laughs> the wrong word but the excuse they gave for why Makes canonical sense with all of the information we have in this show so far. It absolutely makes sense. Like, none of the science there doesn't check out. Oh, yeah. All minorities and women have NACWOTA in their blood. (laughs) There we go! I mean, how would we test for it? We don't know. We don't have a sample to compare it to. Just go find us a Dwight Schultz getting to hook us up. (laughs) God. (laughs) If only. Uh, Lovely. Okay, so. Totally, uh, also uh, added metaphor of the uh, uh, into the whole allegory because uh, tainted versus untainted mind. A clean mind yeah. would be welcome into God's paradise, but not necessarily a tainted mm-hmm. one, befouled by the <laughs> earth, kind of as it were. Oh my God, Nephilim! Hey. 
you go. The sons of God and the daughters yeah. of man. Mm-hmm. Oh my fucking god. They were, <laughs> they were literally the Nephilim. Yes, they were. <laughs> I don't know how I, 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 I could see this exactly one of two ways. One, this was entirely intentional. Every single element of this allegory, 100% planned through start to finish. Or these two have some serious subconscious issues with Christianity. <laughs> okay, I will say, if it was Robert C. Cooper who wrote this, I would 100% believe, without doubt, all of it was on purpose. Because it wasn't, but because of the fact that they have in this show done biblical allegory and, like, like actually addressing elements of that before, I'm still willing to believe it was on purpose. Yeah, honestly, and now you've said that, because, again, I, I know we've mentioned this before, I'm not, I can never remember how much Robert C. Cooper did for SGA, mostly I remember SGUs. Yeah. And because I he's mentioned much before. more suited to SGU than Right, SGA. and on that note, I actually just realized you, you're so right, because SGU, short as it was, was really well done, actually, in a couple of really heavily uh, religious-themed mm-hmm. episode story arcs. Because I mentioned a couple of like, that the, the, they, never, they never meet the race, yeah. but they find a literal planet that was constructed. And it's like, what? <laughs> and of course, everybody is like, all the people who believe in that kind of thing were like, yeah, we're going to live here on God's literal paradise that he go. built. And they literally take that as a message, you know, so on. And I'm not going to get into that whole storyline, yeah. but he, he, that, that particular theme has definitely featured heavily in his work in SGU. Okay. So I like that. Um, I will actually say, I, on, as we were talking, I did think of this one element. And I'm going to say it's on purpose, because do you remember who the senior story, story editor for this episode was? God, no, I wish I did. Robert C. Cooper. So there you go, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't write it, but he was the story editor. There you go. So I, I could totally... I, when we watched the... The uh, when we watch the credits at the end, I'm like, oh, senior story editor. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was 100 percent on purpose. I mean, and I what I like about it is, it, let's say our interpretation of it is, you know, right, slightly off, whatever. There's so many elements of the biblical stories themselves in different cultures mm-hmm. and over the years and how people took elements here and there. Absolutely. It's all just so beautifully part of the fabric. Absolutely built in. It's it's nice. So I really I I could totally lay this on purpose. And if it was mm-hmm. honestly. Good job. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm here for it. No, it really, when we started figuring, that's why yeah, it took yeah, so long. Yeah, once it started clicking. the, like, half-hour right. break we took to talk right. about AT. Right. Okay, so, the show starts <laughs> with them in uh, SGC, using the mouth to look at seeing what's on the other side, and they see what Vancouver. basically looks like the Epcot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the botanical gardens in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there's basically like this dome building and a whole bunch of grass and, and flowers and a, a mm-hmm. beautiful garden and like this domed Epcot looking building. Built in 1967 to look futuristic, hence why Daniel has the line about it looking like it was built by a futuristic society. There you go. <laughs> and they're like, okay, looks fine to go through. So, they go through. As soon as they walk out, I'm convinced Michael Shanks in that shot genuinely accidentally sneezed. Like, maybe he does have allergies as well. I mean, they were surrounded by fucking lilies and orchids and shit. Who the fuck knows? Because you could see moisture. (laughs) It was so gross. We literally, he sneezed, and for a beat, there was silence. And then we both went, ah! Ew! Because I went ew and you went, that was a wet one. To which I went further ew. Further ew. Credit to the show, though, that everyone kept it together and it stayed in the shot. Like, no one broke character. I, I mean, it's, it's, again, well, it's one of two things either happened there. One, it was on accident but worked out perfectly there. Or two, he's gotten really good at faking sneezes and yeah. honestly, everyone's reactions around him were going, ah, oh, dude, it's 
chill, chill, chill on the craftsmanship, okay? You can, you, you can't tell Michael Shanks to slow down. You, just, you know, you can, you can act a little. You t- <laughs> it's called acting nasal mucus being spewed all over me. The beauty of acting is you don't actually have to sneeze your snot all over me. Hey, he wasn't turned towards anyone. I know, but that would totally be my reaction. Be like, yeah. and I'm looking over, and be like, you do it, you don't actually have to. <laughs> so, uh, they go to the dome because obviously it's the building nearby. That you would go there. That's where you're thinking. You're no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the garden and look at the obvious sign of civilization, and then just walk. Yeah, ninety degrees. Just turn ninety degrees and. Nah. So they go to the dome. And they find all of these, like, giant-looking, like, massage-looking chairs, but, like... I don't know what kind of massage chairs you've sat in. I mean, What the the fuck? Where have you been? (laughs) I mean, like, the basics... You know those ones that you see in, like, the, um... Oh, the creepy ones in the airport that look like they're gonna, like, murder you? They look like like they're literally built to cuff you to the seat? Exactly, those. But then it's also got weird tentacle things. It's the airport massage chairs with weird tentacle things. Just, Just imagine the porn. Yeah, no. Is that still hentai? <laughs> Only if they're naked. Moving on. <laughs> so yeah, You're they see the one who went down. No, that no, path. no, yeah. So they see some torture porn chairs. So yeah, they see those chairs and they see people sitting in those chairs. They've all got these dark veils over their faces, um, and they're like clearly hooked into these chairs. There's like these uh, they're not wires. They're, they're like kind of like electrodes, but worse. Sneaky. Yeah, these giant things for like, those in fastened the, to their heads. For those in the audience who know the Borg, they're like the tubules. Oh yes, the tube. That's that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Was the tubules. So they're all clearly wired into these chairs, yeah. and they're all like out. Yeah. There's no like they they check and make sure okay they're still alive, they're still breathing, but these people are clearly just out. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. And then while they're continuing to explore the area, there are vegetables in the garden. Vegetative state. I love myself. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> While they continue to look through the garden, they find and this is a part where I laughed out loud and the because the framing of it was just so funny. Oh god, yeah. But knowing the end of the episode, it was probably on purpose. I, I it's convenient, but also explainably yeah, convenient. Yeah, exactly. Potentially. <laughs> so they basically walk around like a corner and they see four empty chairs in a line next to each other. Yep, and it's just. Waiting. I mean, I my first thought was okay, so they're extras from leftover, whenever, or you know, um, see, I don't think the dog agrees, um, <laughs> or you know, like maybe you know, people who died due to malfunctions uh-huh. or whatever, and so he just like you know sequestered the extras away. Nothing about it was wrong. Yeah, it just no, it, it was, was just, just a- awfully funny that they just walk in three seconds later. Oh look, four right perfectly next to each on other. the path. Yeah. It was just a funny frame. Right. Moment. No, it was great. Uh, and the chairs grab them and hook them in. And that's the uh, the commercial break. Yeah, right? Great commercial break. Just It is a good commercial break, yeah. So when we come back, um, Teal'c and Jack are suddenly standing in, like, an open field with, like, a cottage nearby uh, and, like, wood fence and everything. And they're, sl- and they're, weir- they're still wearing combat gear, but it's distinctly different yes. combat gear. Yes, because military gear is obviously standardized for a reason like yeah. it's just part of its thing so they're wearing the normal standardized equipment it's just whatever one was in that safe house that day i don't know uh it's it's definitely colored for camouflage oh because yeah. they're in like a uh, wheat fieldy kind of yeah. colored area and they're wearing like 
more wheat colored. Right. Clothes. They're they're in the um. It's that olive green shit that they use like in Mash. No, they're, they're no. It's not olive green. That's the that's the regular army green color. They're wearing like a. Oh, so I was thinking of later. Scene. I was thinking of Kowalski in the other outfit later. Sorry. Yeah, that's when they're in. Yeah, on the I, I got there. I got there. I got there. You know what? I can remember the details, but color is not <laughs> necessarily requisite. <laughs> uh, and they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Like they're like, what? And they're basically like, yeah. Last thing I remember, we were in the garden, and the chairs grabbed us. And then as they're trying to talk this out. A jeep pulls up in front of them, and Kowalski steps out. Yeah, surprisingly alive, and surprisingly with one brain. Yeah. Well, technically, technically, he still only had one brain at the end. It was just missing a piece. Yeah. And uh, Jack is kind of freaking out, but like in a quiet Jack kind of way, um, and basically decides that this is some sort of illusion or dream because like half the men in front of him right now are supposed to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, one because he dies on this mission. Possibly two. Um, yeah, considering there's that other dude yeah, that, that you just never see. He just randomly appears in and out of the flashback because like he seems to be the guy helping them unload their shit and doesn't seem to be involved in the actual lead up. However, there's also a scene the where they're putting on masks and everything mask too, on. so I can't yeah. say that for sure. It's just odd. I, I know the trivia does actually say that it is a goof that he's just never seen again, but we definitely see him moving around in the background. Yeah, so I don't think he's thing. never seen again. I, I don't know. Fuck if I know. They distinctly showed two men putting on those masks and running forward. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure Kowalski was not the second man who was putting. No, the he mask. was because it was. I I I, just, I think he was personally because it was the only two that I saw not put them on were distinctly Teal'c and. But we only Jack. saw four people. We didn't see five. Right, that's what I'm saying with the third guy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I it depends. <laughs> don't remember if Kowalski was one of them to put on a mask. I think but he I was. I he think was he was part of the team. I think he was because there he was the one also running behind them. Maybe maybe he's who Teal'c representing maybe i who the fuck knows there's a it's a really there's no way to know yeah. when it's kind of like how we're like who's sam in yeah it's like we don't one. know what their memory mm-hmm. is and i it's sometimes we've mentioned that we like like when they don't like to explain something this is not one of those instances i would have cared for a throwaway line or something because it's a little annoying when you tell us that this is living out the memory but then you just casually leave out details that could make the memory make sense <laughs> i don't know I but maybe they considered it not necessary, and to be fair, the story they get across, so maybe they were right. Yeah, Who I don't the hell think knows? It really yeah, mattered. it wasn't essential. We did, we, we did manage to get through it. That he was in a scene and it got cut for time. Exactly. Who the fuck knows, man? Um. So basically, he's he more or less tells the leader of the op, like, "No, this I'm, I'm clearly dreaming or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're supposed to be dead." And the guy punches him, right. like, "You're not, you're not dreaming." Right. And basically, drags him into starting the op or whatever. Oh, before that, Jack Jack's still trying to argue that, um, so he punches him, uh, says that, you know, it's clearly not a dream since you felt that. Right. Uh, and then basically says, you're doing this off with us. And then Jack tells Teal that this is a black ops mission that went really bad mm-hmm. in his past. And he's still trying to argue, like, no, we can't do this. this no, none of this is right. And the guys, the, the team leader's like, why are you being weird about this, blah, right. blah, blah, and, um, and Jack, to try and get his point across, goes to yank the beanie off of Teal's head, that which part. is a great moment, because they've used hats to hide his thing before, so it's, I love when continuity is that small. Little fucking things, man. Mm-hmm. So he goes to rip the beanie off of Teal's head, and goes like, does he look like he belongs here? Yeah. Instead of having the little Jafar symbol on his forehead, Teal has hair now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did 
say like, oh, that's a crappy wig. Honestly, it's just because I'm so used to him bald. Yes. I can't even with the high top, the flat, the flat top, flat top. Even with the flat top, we both know he had in that clip from MacGyver. Yeah, it's just. It's teal. I only know him as bald. He so looks so It's young actually with hair. not that bad no, of a wig. No, it's not. I've definitely seen worse. Yeah. Especially for <laughs> a scene. Right? Yeah, exactly. I take most of my criticisms back, the ones I was launching when we saw it. And I, you just like him with bald. <laughs> I just do. But I, I, I instead to focus on the only nice things I said about it, which was he does look a lot. Not that he looked old without it, but he just looks young. It, it, it was boyishly curled. Yeah. And so he just looked like a wee child. <laughs> and it was, it was adorable. Um, so, when he's like, oh, okay, then he starts saying, well, maybe this is time travel? Which is, this is where I'm like, Jack, come on, that reveal with his head should have been when Jack's like, it's definitely an <laughs> That literally is the moment he goes, so definitely not time travel. Yeah, it's like, how does he suddenly not have the- What but the fuck would Jack, time have done to his head? Jack's not our scientist, so, and he's also thinking, oh, he's being hopeful. Yeah, I just realized the reason why he said time travel is because he's assuming Teal had hair, and this is before uh, he got the gold thing on his head. He's making a lot of assumptions. Yeah, that's what it was, though. He, he, he too thought Teal looked younger. He too went... Oh, no, it's a baby. <laughs> that's the only thing that makes sense to me, is that he thought, just assumed it was before you know the, the, the gold thing on he, his head. He and... could have stopped the whole mission if he'd been like, no, we can't have this mission. We clearly have a child with us right now. I'm actually bad that they loved making that scene, just that one moment where... I bet there's been times where they've ripped off the hats, and the, the, the thing has come like off. <laughs> so it's the one time where they actually get to full, full, yes. just grab it and yank, not have to be careful or any of that shit. You don't have to worry about it. It's just Tilt going, yes. And then, like, I have, I have this image immediately, though, now of a blooper where they pull it off and the hair comes off instead. That'd be a really bad application job <laughs> right. there. But yeah, so it's like, can you imagine how nice it must be having to put that hat on and having to rip it off and go, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> one time only. Anyway, go on. Yeah. yeah, so basically, he's entertaining the hope that it's time travel and that he can actually do something to fix this. Right. And so he's like, okay, let's run the op. Let's try and have this end better than right. it did for me last time. Uh, we both noticed the really nice detail that everyone's rifles, their straps, have duct tape on yeah, them. Yeah, for the clanking, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. I was assuming because it was, looked like it was all the metal buckle parts. Yeah. So, you know, muffling. All of them had it. It was yeah. a really nice detail. There's a lot of really detailed attention to oh, this yeah. episode. Plus duct tape, you know, it's very easily weathered. So just a bit of movement and that shiny aspect goes away. So yeah. it's... it's. And they looked warm. They didn't look Exactly, yeah. They did a good job with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they... Oh, there's a really good camera shot through binoculars. Yeah, I remember. I was just like, damn, that's a, a weirdly good binocular shot. It's just, I usually tend to, it's one thing you tend to notice in general when you see shots through binoculars. It's always just kind of like, that doesn't look quite right. The feel. This one didn't yeah. have that. It was you nice. You know what? I'm not surprised because wasn't Martin Wood the one who directed Solitudes? I, maybe. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um, because if it was, then he's already shown that he's good at filming through things. True. Because Solitude's had a lot of filming through holes, like, yeah. in the ice Yeah, everything. using the set as much as they could. Well, yeah, it was, Mar it was Martin Wood to Solitude. That's who I thought it was. So he's somebody who's versatile and knows how to use the setting. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I'm, I, I'm honestly not shocked that he did a good, um binocular shot because I mean, it's hard. shown that he's good at that sort of thing. In episodic stuff, it's hard to always be creative. I get that. You know, especially let's say you get the your the episode you roll the dice on that you get. Yeah. Let's say it's not one that has a lot of that kind of stuff. People who can think on their feet though and use literally anything mm -hmm. in the scene potentially, that's the only way you can get, you know, shots of creativity in there. Yep. And I I love it when they can do that. Not yep. the, not to diss the ones that can. I I like a good straightforward story too, but <laughs> 
you know, he wants in. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said it like that because that's a lie. I've always bitched about it. I can't understand the existence of a straightforward shot that has no tricks and stuff, but doesn't mean it's, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they run the op, and shocker, shock, it goes, it goes bad. Yeah. See, here's an element of, they don't need to explain the situation, I don't, because we don't need to know what the fuck went down in East Germany, that, we don't need to know what the bad intel was, we don't need to yeah. know why there were hidden guys behind the shrubs, all we need to know is what happened, which was the guy died. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I just said what happened, well that just, it what happened bad. would be all the details I just explained, yeah, but you exactly. know what I mean. And we all need to know is who died, why is it significant to him. Yeah, they had bad recon, the leader of the job dies. Yeah, that's the important shit. On, and oh, this is where I was like, holy shit, about this episode. Because oh. as they're retreating, because Jack calls retreat, and it's him, Teal'c, and Kowalski who are running away, which is why I assume the other guy died. And Jack and Teal'c are further ahead than Kowalski. Kowalski's about halfway back from where they're running. Mm-hmm. They jump over a low wall, and then they're behind the wall, and the shot cuts off at the wall. You don't see past it, so you don't see Kowalski. But last we saw, he was about half the field away. Right. And he was still running towards them. But they're, like, they get over the wall. They, you know, take a second to center. Um, Jack goes, where's Kowalski? Yeah. And and as I was saying, he was a little bit behind them. Yeah, and Tilk was saying the same thing. He's like, he was some distance behind us. Or right behind us, whatever it was. As I was saying yeah. that, and Tilk yeah. was saying that, a jeep pulls up. No, and it's, it's great. the jeep from the beginning of the episode, quote-unquote, with him and Tilk. And it's basically, it's a loop. Yeah. It's starting over again. It, it's a terrific transition. It's such a good transition. We had to rewind. To yeah, because we, we literally, the best part was we hadn't missed it. We just saw it and we're like, wait, what? Yeah, it was just that good. Yeah. And later on, he does something like that again in this episode. Yeah. and Another genius transition, just working with the camera mm-hmm. and working with timing. Yeah. It's not just how the shot is framed. Exactly. It's also it's knowing the... when to do the reveal, how much time to stretch it out for and everything. Yeah, using the lighting, because mm-hmm. it uses the shadows in the second one Absolutely. to play it's into so that. It's good. It doesn't always, yeah, it isn't necessarily how the shot is framed with, like, for example, binoculars. Yeah. It's whatever is in that shot is a potential tool. Mm-hmm. And he definitely seems to understand that. Absolutely. It pulls up and... That's the end of, we, we're done with Jack and Teal for a second, with him realizing it's looping. Yes. Now we go to Daniel and Sam. And yes. they find themselves standing in the middle of a museum. That's uh, It's uh, the Egyptian exhibit of a museum. It's clearly an Egyptian museum exhibit. When you said you were standing in, in uh, my brain immediately auto-completed with standing in the middle of a continuity error. Because we did the age thing with yes. the foster parents. <laughs> My first thought was insane. The continuity error between the movie and the TV show. But that's a minor one. We'll talk about it in a second. But yeah, it's... Oh, you know what? We'll talk about it now because there's nowhere else to really naturally get into it. So basically, the continuity error is that in the movie, when um, Catherine shows him a picture of his foster parents, they're holding a baby. It's visually like a baby. Like yes. two years old at the most. Yeah. Not even that old. <laughs> I feel like you did mention this too when the, we did the episode about the movie. Yeah, probably. So yeah. this will be a good little rehash. Yeah, we're, yeah. Re- re- we're yeah. recapping. Yeah. Um, and then in this episode, and he says that they're his foster parents. Right, yeah. In this episode, the parents that he has that we're going to meet in this scene are very clearly his biological parents. They cast really yeah. well to make these people look like him. They're very clearly his biological parents. Um. But he's also clearly not one year old in this scene. Yeah, because he's 
toddling around minimal. At yeah. the minimum, he's able to walk on his own two feet. At the minimum, he's like feet. five. Yeah. yeah, he has his own power of movement. Mm-hmm. He's a, he, and apparently they're able to let him just kind of wander. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming whoever Sam was supposed to be was the person in charge of looking like after a, him. Like or something, yeah. Based on the dress, I'm still leaning towards like curator. Yeah. Except for that weird tour guide comes up and says her thing, which maybe it was just the AI, the AI yeah, trying to get him to do his thing. Yeah, yeah so because the only thing makes sense because otherwise, who the fuck was she? No, that's absolutely, because he was basically telling, basically telling Danny not to loiter. Yeah, yeah. To, to like, get, get, your, get your shit over. Get your go over. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Get your get, That was go. absolutely just the game. Okay, yeah. So there you go. Him. Cool. That's, that, that, that solves my issue with there that. There you go. Okay, so, yeah, she so, um, so the continuity error, quote unquote, if the kid in that picture was Daniel, it couldn't be because he was clearly like at least five with his. Catherine asks Daniel in the movie, I'm going to say it this way. She asks James Spader, these are your parents, right? And he says, they're my foster parents. Yes. And they're clearly holding the baby. However, it is actually never officially stated that the baby is a baby Daniel, a baby James Spader. So it is entirely possible that that was any form of biological child of theirs, as in predeceased, later deceased, so on. Hello. <laughs> on that, um, it's never officially stated literally one way or the other if, on top of that, if Daniel has siblings. They're never mentioned, but no. it's never, ex- I don't think of any, I, and I, we did, I kind of looked it up, nothing told me on there that it said he is an only child. So, yeah, I was mentioning the baby could yeah. be already dead, will be dead, maybe it wasn't theirs, maybe they, maybe they were doing their version of, um, the, you know, like there's that, John Oliver did a thing on Facebook where a woman goes, in all of my pictures I'm holding a baby, but I don't have a baby, because <laughs> it's Facebook yeah. and nothing, who says anything's online is true, mm-hmm. so maybe they were faking it, who the fuck? No, it's yeah. a throwaway thing because it was meant to be a tiny little element yeah. of his character at the time and they didn't know they were going to be doing a TV show. So Moved to the TV show, he's clearly not a baby. No. But. So you can't explain it. It doesn't have to be a continuity It, do, it doesn't have to be because again, there's nothing saying that those weren't his foster parents who had had an infant mm-hmm. and therefore, shh. <laughs> it's, it's a shh that I'm not annoyed okay. with. Okay, oh, here's the thing. I just I did just think about this. Huh. In the movie, she never says, is this you exactly. and your parents? I, yeah. She just says, is, is this your parents? Exactly, yeah. So so there's no reason yeah, that we it, have to say that that's Daniel. I 100%, 100% believe in my heart of hearts that this was entirely a continuity Yeah, error. absolutely. However, but it doesn't have to be. They, were, they were graceful enough with it. Thankfully, they, they lucked out with having vague enough language mm-hmm. in the movie. And they were able to continue with that vague enough Yeah here, but it being a memory, because honestly, one of my favorite parts about this is they don't really address this element, but it's kind of there for me, is Memories we don't know if they're an unreliable narrator yeah. or not. We don't know how much of this might have been fudged by time. Dude, that's why we never see that one guy's face. Jack doesn't remember him. I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. 100%. I will take it. Yes, that is canon for me. That actually genuinely works. It falls into it perfectly. And on that note, let's get to yeah. Daniel so, and Sam. So, of indeterminate age, Daniel. <laughs> so, uh, I love how the scene opens up because they're just standing there, and Daniel just goes, "Okay, what just happened?" That's my nose. I like because how many times does he say that in the show? It's so understated. Like <laughs> yes. he doesn't sound bothered, just sort of curious. Right? Like, what just happened? I just realized we explained it for ourselves. You know why she's never named? He doesn't remember. Yeah. She was just the person he was with there when it happened. There we go. Even he doesn't know. There Good job. Go. This is how you do vague right. Heck yeah. Uh, so they are uh, at a museum, and 
I'm not having a note here that says, who is Sam in this flashback? <laughs> right, just, she is, uh, which I'm, I just, I, we stumbled on the idea that she, this could have been a terrible idea, form of whitewashing, oh. but if, if a fa, if and only if the woman in the memory that actually was there was Chinese. Then the very, um, there's a slim chance this was whitewashing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that definitely seemed like some massive cultural appropriation. Like, it was a nice shirt on her. Oh, yeah, it was Don't doing things wrong. for me. And I, I, you know what, here's, here's where I have to give the show a little bit of allowance. Back when this episode came out, those types of, the, those styles of shirts, oh. being cultural appropriation, wasn't really a known thing. Oh, yeah, no, it, it. It was entirely and plausible. It still was, yes, yeah, but it wasn't something that was that was discussed. Yeah, no, exactly. It was commonplace. Yeah, just absolutely. because we are aware it's not okay doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's hence why we need to learn history and mm-hmm. make sure. Absolutely. I, it just oh my god, fuck that ideology. Moving on. Um. So yeah, it's it's still offensive if mm-hmm. it is a cultural appropriation. Oh, However, it's what probably happened if she was a curator, for mm-hmm. example, there or like fuck a college student. You know, because she looked like she might have been like um maybe like one of the grad students working oh, yeah, in the museum working for, for the, the parents. For the parents yeah. yeah, like maybe one of the grad Honestly, students looking no, after him. That's that what you use grad students for. I just realized exactly yes. who she is. She's, She's a fucking a grad, grad student. student. So that Daniel explains that dress and boots name. and everything. Yes. And she. There we go. Well, I like how we do that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. It it. It stands to a reason why she's wearing the shirt. Unfortunately, it's a very beautiful shirt. It, it she makes it work, and so I hate myself because I'm always like, I just—it's too bad. It's culturally appropriating. I just wish that this wouldn't. I wish the world was better. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a—that's an easy statement. Let's move on. <laughs> so uh, Daniel quickly realizes when and where they are. That makes sense. Um, and he sees his parents across the room, mm-hmm. uh, setting up like a it's like a whole bunch of pillars and a cover stone of some sort of Egyptian Yeah, it looks like they're building area. like a recreation of a yeah. tomb. Which and I'm just going to point this out. I'm not victim blaming, but I will I state <laughs> I, you know, accidents happen. People don't always think it through yeah. and maybe you get really focused on something and do something stupid. I definitely know I have. However, holy fucking shit. They were both standing both under. Both standing under a massive piece of stone. Yeah. And you, I, it doesn't fucking matter if you think it's safe. That you, You'll notice that construction workers still wear hard helmets mm-hmm. anyway. And they were not. No, there was a I dude know. off to the side wearing a hard I hat. I know. They were not. Everything about the situation was so wrong. They were but really stupid. They were stupendously stupid. Yeah. Everybody involved in that situation should have been sued for life, like just all of the, of the negligence and yeah, wrongful death. Absolutely. Maybe that's how uh, Daniel paid for his education yeah, was maybe. the ne- wrongful death cause on the. Because holy god, like everybody involved there was at fault for that absolutely. death. However, of course it's not their money. Like I would never blame the victims, and, you know, <laughs> so on. Except maybe next time, duh. Yeah. Like, besides, also, I'm sorry, you're archaeologists. No one is more aware of of, of structural mm-hmm. integrity mm-hmm. and the lack thereof in life than archaeologists. And I mean that as in you literally look at ruins for a living. Yeah. No, here's the thing. <laughs> this framing is easily the stupidest part of the subject. I know, right? On the other hand, people are stupid. Right. I think they needed to have an so accident I'll that they could replay it. a bunch, but wasn't too gross yeah. and gratuitous, and it could be believable. They didn't want to have... 
They don't want to, like, yeah. show blood Ex- and everything. Which no, is why... Full bush we can do, but no, no, no. Bloody, crushing death yeah. is, is... That's where you draw the line. Uh, that's the puritanical uh, heritage of our Woo! country right there. I'm just never going to stop bringing that up. It's like, no, fuck you for drawing the line here. Sorry. You insist on including this one thing, but no, 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 no. That, that will hide for decency's mm-hmm. sake. Anyway, God, just, ugh. Uh, Moving on. So, <laughs> actually, I just said the opposite of the puritan. Yeah, I know you're good. Normally <laughs> it means we can't show... Yeah. We can show, but I don't know what I was thinking. No, it's just... And I also, I think, I guess that's just showtime It's just the you. different definitions to some people of what's yeah, distasteful. Sure. It's just funny what they define as distasteful and not, you know. Anyway, it's, so, a victim blaming o- moment over. Yeah. They die. They, yeah, they get crushed by uh, a whole bunch of really heavy stones. I do like there's a very, very humanizing moment for the characters who get, like, two seconds and two lines of dialogue. Where when the stones start to um, get unsteady, mm-hmm. you see his dad grab his mom to try and shield her. Yeah, she's yeah, he's trying to save her. It's a good, quiet little moment. Yeah. Like there's no there's no verbal prompting for this. It's just the he grabs her to try and shield her. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. They loved each other and they worked together. Absolutely. Everything established there. They were happy. In all of the ways you could, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, so they get crushed to death, and Daniel's reaction to seeing that again... Is exactly why I didn't watch this episode for yeah. a little while, because he is okay. too raw, it's too good. It's Michael mm. Shanks in this episode, in these scenes in the museum, does a remarkable job on two accounts. Sounding and acting like a child in a lot of these moments. Yeah, that was, that was uncanny sometimes. Yeah reaction to seeing them get crushed had a very childlike despair to it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then also later on him doing the shutdown thing again. Yeah. Just Michael Shanks just works this scene. Watching him in compartmentalize like that in a second yeah, was like, That was Ugh. the one where I had to rewind. <laughs> yeah, we both did. Like, we were like, yeah. what? I was like, because I, I saw it originally. I was like, oh my god, look at that transition. I was like, rewind. And then you, you just stared at his face until that little switch happened. Yeah, I was like, damn, son, jeez. Mm-hmm. It makes me think, I hate that I'm making this reference because it's honestly a bad show. But um, Dylan O'Brien is a good actor. And um, Teen Wolf Season 3B mm-hmm. with the Nogatsune. When he was possessed by the Nogatsune. I didn't get through that one. I couldn't make it through it. <laughs> There's a moment where the camera is on. Like, normally the switches, when he would turn into the Nogatsune, like be possessed by the Nogatsune, uh-huh. like, the camera would pan away, and then yeah. it'd come back or whatever. There's yeah. a moment where the camera stays on his face the entire oh, yeah? time, and it's all just in his facial acting hmm. that just... In an instant, he's the Nogatsune. It, it's exactly like that. Hmm. Like, Dylan O'Brien is a good actor. Like, Teen Wolf is... Garbage. garbage. But Dylan O'Brien made that role in that in that season. Like, he just, in that, like, that. I just always remember, because it just didn't, didn't move from him at all. There was no, like, flicker of lights to, like, shadow cast over his face and everything. No, it's just on his face, and then suddenly, just boom. Sorry, I just, yeah. that's, that's really awesome. It just reminds me of um, something I'm really looking forward to showing you someday, is mm-hmm. uh, Farscape. I- I literally just heard. I heard. I heard my sound effect go. I just heard it. I haven't done mine yet. Ooh, good job. But yeah, uh, there's um a character. He's not in it for a ton. Um, he's his name is Stark. Yeah. He's got a whole bunch of stuff going on with his story. But his character has half his face covered by a ma- a metal mask. Mm-hmm. And so it always he's he really always just stood out to me as a kid, honestly, because he, his character's crazy, right? Yeah. And he's and I mean fucking bad shit. <laughs> but he's got literally only half his face to work with. Uh-huh. 
but fuck me does he do it. <laughs> like, he, he honestly was one of my introductory, I, I subconsciously, yeah. honestly, introductory courses into how to act with your face, mm-hmm. because some people might have taken that as a thing and be like, okay, so I don't need to work with this as much. I can act with other things. And there's people who do that, you know, no, who act, or, who act with the mask, right? Like, it's the thing. He doubled down in the opposite way. And don't get me wrong, the other way could have been a valid yeah. way. And if it had been, who knows? Who knows how it could have also been done? And I just love the one he chose because it's, I don't know, because the, the mask doesn't move, right? And it's metal, so yeah. it has that really placid Rigid, kind of face. Yeah. So it's really great, kind of like, like, almost like a Janice representation. Oh, yeah. It's it's obviously probably probably an intent too, but I just I always really loved his his crazy acting because it was really easy to act crazy, right? But then you have these moments where he'd just go calm, calm mm-hmm. and it'd be so instant, and it would be extra emphasized to me because his face never matched the other side until all of a sudden you just watch him do calm. something, and usually when he was going psychotic, of like course. dangerous yeah. psychotic, and then all of a sudden it'd be a goddamn mirror image, and it fucking creep me out every <laughs> time because that was such. St- Stellar acting. The fact that you literally mirrored the mask that yeah. you can't even see. I mean, he definitely ah! pressed that. Well, duh, duh. Yeah, you know what I mean? But no, the but person. The fact that he did that. <laughs> yeah, because like, Stark in that moment wouldn't have practiced. Yeah, but no, I mean, no, so no. the fact that Stark becomes that thing. Becomes the mask. Yes, and, it, and, and, and it's amazing. And it's only a couple moments really dotted throughout the show, you really get to mm-hmm. see it. But I live for them. Yeah. And it's that kind of stuff in there where it's like, I see this and it's. Much like Stark, actually, because it's a lot of manic going into not, and that's the best kind to show that ability, Mm -hmm. honestly, just because they're so such opposite ends of the spectrum from each other, and it's just he's amazing. But yeah, so after the parents get crushed, we cut back to um, Jack and Teal'c, where um, the mission is about to start again, and Teal'c's basically saying like, "I'm not going to change anything. This isn't time travel. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to change anything." And Teal'c says an interesting thing where he's like, but if you don't do anything, you're definitely not changing anything. Right. Self- Which is an like, interesting concept. And I, I think that's like playing on the terminism, honestly. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and especially because at this point we don't have anybody to confront. Mm-hmm. Because at this point it's still just the looping. Right. We don't see, we don't have anyone to confront at this right. point. So at this point, I understand where Teal'c's coming from with what he says to Jack. And oh, yeah. it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Um... Real quick on yeah. that, mm-hmm. I can't. Actually, I can't actually exactly remember. It, it, it might just be predestination, predeterminism, whatever it is. It's it's the religious concept. It was one of the uh, Calvinism. Yeah, thank you. It was like the Quaker era, like the original Quaker era. Um, yeah. you know the Pilgrims. Calvinists were the ones who yeah. believed in predetermination. Exactly that one. I, I I remember reading about that in a textbook in in high school, middle school as a kid. Yeah. And I remember just literally laughing, and everybody else was silent, looking at me like, "What? What's funny about that?" I'm like, "I'm sorry." The idea that you are predetermined before you're born where you're going to go and that your actions are proving it to everybody else. You know what I just... Sorry, go I'm for, just going to yeah. say this in case I, I'm yeah, going to say for, the same thing you. Because yeah. I don't think about religion a lot. Right. I was raised non-denominational. It doesn't affect me. Right. Um, I did just think, doesn't that directly contradict the idea of free will? Well, that's the thing is they don't believe in it. But it, that's like... They're, the, the whole, whole thing with the, the whole idea... Humanity. That's depending on who you talk to. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing with um, them, from what I remember, is... I thought these moments were like, should I whip out Wikipedia first? Nah. Because nah, <laughs> fuck it, right? Um, but, because like, honestly, we're about to be really insulting to them anyway, so screw yeah, it. <laughs> like, but the whole thing is, uh, is, what I remember was, they, the idea was that it was determined, you were, it was, 
not your actions on earth that determined where you ended up. It was already determined before you were born. And by the only thing that it was about was your actions were what proved to everybody where you were going. It was like this weird okay. ego thing. It yeah. was basically egotistical as fuck, but somehow meant to be humble. I don't know what the fuck their point was here other than being egotistical. Because the idea was, if you did bad things, it's because... You were always, you were going, always to. going to. It's determinism. Yeah. It's the idea that you have no free will. You are essentially playing out a story. Yeah. Which is, A, why would you want that? To, if, I'm, I'm assuming someone finds comfort in that. Great. <laughs> but the idea of having to constantly work every fucking day to prove to everybody that you're going to heaven just seems exhausting. Yeah. And weirdly dumb. Because my that's why I laughed. I remember looking at everybody and going, I'm sorry, but... Why the fuck would you work for it? If you already know you're going to heaven, why would you do anything? Uh -huh. Why, if you know that nothing you do could do anything to affect it, yeah. and you just can decide, well, I feel good. I think I'm going to heaven. Or, hey, guess what? I feel shitty. I guess I'm going to hell. Well, depend. guess what? No matter what fucking thing it is, I can't do anything about it, yeah. so I might as well just do whatever the fuck I want. So I just started laughing my ass off. I'm like, why is this a religion concept? This just teaches you not to bother because there's no point. There's no free will. It's just a weird, it's a weird form of determinism that's oddly depressing as fuck, but also stupid. There's no accountability. Yes. Hence why I hate it. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> so it kind of weird. It's like a weird play on yeah. that where it's, if you don't do anything, they definitely will die. It's like, here's the thing though. That's like that train car thing where where is yeah. your responsibility? Where is your accountability? I don't care for the line. It, it's a, it is a good line. Mm -hmm. I, and no. I don't disagree with his concept. Yeah. I personally just go out that next element, though, where I'm like, but is that line meant to be like an alley of some kind of representation oh. there? Because then you get into the where do you draw the line of responsibility? Whereas here's the thing. He can't. It looks like he can't change it. Yeah. It did already happen. And if it already happened then it's a point in time. Mm -hmm. It's already an experience for him. Therefore, there's literally nothing that he can do here in the sense that if he were to do anything, he'd be assuming responsibility. Yeah. But not doing anything, he has now officially not set up this situation. Yeah. He's now officially passed it. Mm -hmm. So nothing that happens in this next loop has anything to do with him because this has already occurred. Yeah. It's a weird, I'm not sure if I made entire sense for people listening. I know you understood me, but <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, yeah, there's no accountability. It's a, no, no, Teal. <laughs> if you don't know anything, they definitely will die. They're going to definitely die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's determined. Especially when you consider the fact that all of the elements of these um, simulations are coming from jack and daniel's heads yeah which of course i know they don't know that yet but if they believe it can't be fixed it cannot be fixed mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many times they run through yeah. it. and here's the thing the more times you fail the more times you're the more likely you are to believe it can't be fixed yeah. so it's it's self-defeatist there's it is. no yeah. uh the self-fulfilling prophecy exactly yeah exactly it's it's that's why I'm saying it's, it's ultimately a depressing idea but yeah. the fact of life is you cannot force someone into a role of accountability no. after the fact. And you definitely can't force somebody into a role of accountability when their actions literally, when their actions didn't bring, weren't the precipitating event and they are not the factor. So I can't, it's the, everyone knows the trolley car problem. Yeah. So it's that whole moral obligation. Where do you change it? Well, the thing is, if you don't change it, 
it was already going to kill those people anyway. So you don't have any accountability at that point. Yes, but if you were to change it onto the you new track, have you have now murdered yeah. those three people. Mm-hmm. If you had not been there, those other people that would have gone run over would have died yeah. anyway. You are not accountable for that. You didn't make the train do that. You didn't make mm-hmm. them stand there. You yeah. did nothing. So yeah, that whole thing in a nutshell. Cool. So uh, at that point, people, the people in the shrouds that they saw in those chairs start walking out from the scenery and are just watching. Yeah. Which is really freaking creepy. And at this point, at this point, especially because people are freaking watching him, Jack's mad, and he starts threatening one of the illusions at gunpoint, like, "No, I'm not doing this. We're we're not doing this," you know, and asking what the fuck is happening. And then Dwight Schultz walks out, and cue us tangenting for an hour and a yes. half after that. But yeah, he's a um... Dwight Schultz is great. We're gonna. Watch A-Team later on when we make food. This was meant to be a reference to Barkley's addiction to holodecks in Star Trek The Next Generation. Because he, there's a whole thing, there's a whole arc where he uh, can't deal with the real world. So he builds an artificial one where he can be confident and happy and succeed. Until, of course, he learns how to do that in real life. And It's it's actually a very positive episode. I really do enjoy it. They also managed to not be rapey where they could have been, so it was really good. Like, there's an episode, because he, like, has a whole thing of, um, he has a huge crush on Deanna Troy. Uh So they go into the thing and she's the goddess of whatever. She's, like, all, like, scantily clad, but also, but thankfully not too bad. Yeah. And she's just, like, come into my, like, garden of what... It's gross, right? Yeah. But it's, again, more, like, that ethereal thing, yeah. so it's more just worshipy. Yeah. But they're always, like, looking over at him, and then Deanna's just, like, God damn it. <laughs> and it's great, but again, it could've been really creepy, yeah. but they said they just went with, like, dude, chill. Yeah. So, it was a great reference. Of, I love it. As a, I love that trivia point. Um, yeah, so he walks out, um, acting his ass off. From literally the second he steps yeah, out. He's so good in this the whole time. He's got this weird little, uh, intonation to his voice. The affectation, that's the word I Yeah. And um, I just introduce myself. Yes. I just love that. Introduce myself. Uh, and he basically tells, immediately walks out and tells Jack and uh, Teal to run the mission again. Yep. Like, like he's expecting to be, um, obeyed. Oh, yeah, no. He I, learns very quickly it's not going to work out that way with these guys. But mm-hmm. when he first comes out, he thinks just telling them, run the mission again, is mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, no. Uh, so he offers Jack the opportunity to try and fix something that has haunted him for ages. And Jack very firmly refuses to play this game. Conveniently leaving out the part where that doesn't, you can't change it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he specifically, and I definitely noted this down, that Jack right away is calling it this game. Mm-hmm. And I definitely make the point of that because uh, later on, Daniel says the same thing. I'm not playing this game, uh, which is kind of an important point because when Dwight Schultz's character introduces himself, he says the, the keeper. keeper. Yeah, he never actually does. The game yeah, he never keeper. actually does call himself the gamekeeper. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't think it's a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they do, so he is the gamekeeper. No, yeah, it, it was a subtle thing that It also kind of works in well the fact done. that he's, like, tending the, the Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, because the gamekeeper is the one that uh, maintains the preserve. Yes, exactly. It's a nature preserve, mm-hmm. including the wild animals. So then we come back their to pens. Sam and Daniel, and I did note, because they, they quietly are talking in the corner for a little while here, and I was like, are Daniel's parents just dying over and over again in the background, we just don't see it happening? That's my transition for this. Meanwhile, back on uh, Noah's Ark. Because that's totally what it is. That's what the place is, is it's an ark. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're with uh, Daniel and Sam, and it's a good little <laughs> quiet moment that it cuts to. And I, when you're, you know, his parents are dying over and over again, I just imagine that quiet moment, just a Wilhelm scream in the background yes. every, like, five seconds, just... 
Yeah, it is a nice quiet scene that we cut into <sighs> where uh, Daniel has is like obviously like recollecting himself right. after the traumatic moment he just witnessed. Yeah, and geez. Sam is just like close but not crowding him and just talking softly to him in like a really even tone of voice and just like basically making sure that he knows that she's there and connecting with him and everything. Yeah. And like it's I love when we get to see them being friends and it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> she clearly understands who he is as a person. Watching them connect is always amazing. It's always wonderful. But um, she does a very good job with being oh, non-threatening, yeah. but also being a comforting Amanda present. tapping is just hits the tone, mm-hmm. the tone mm-hmm. of voice when talking to him, just nails it. Yeah, she's the right amount of not not firm, but like she can be a sturdy presence yes. for him, but is gentle but as not fuck. Overwhelming, exactly. Sturdy, but not overwhelming. Yeah, just mm. and she also does a great job of later on in this uh, scene. When Daniel shuts down, she's still visibly emotionally hurt yeah, she's by still what being, she's witnessing. Yeah, she's still being affected by the deaths happening yeah, behind her. It's really good. It's a it's a great um, snapshot of these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when we don't get to go into anything that Sam's experienced or Teal's experienced, we're still seeing snapshots of who these characters are. Teal with his whole, you know, if you don't do anything, then you definitely won't save them yes. comment. Um, and Sam, when she sees that. Daniel's shut down, but she's still getting affected yeah. by it. So we do still get to see these people. Yeah, because like, it shows an element of Tilk, which to be fair, I, I was, you know, my problem with the line no, aside, yeah. it does show that he considers himself to be, a, he is a very responsible yeah, person, absolutely. obviously, as it proves that no, he it takes responsibility, sense. it looks like, for everything, which is great. Yeah, no, that and, line makes sense yeah, coming from exactly, him. and this for her shows um, one of her greatest traits is empathy. Empathy, yeah, she's huge on empathy. So it's just... And I know that empathy tends to be a female female thing. I, because we've definitely seen elements of it in other characters, and because it's Amanda Tapping, I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to not be annoyed with it. I'm choosing to believe in correlation, not causation here. I'm not annoyed (laughs) with it because of the fact that you see that, like, she definitely, I think... She wants to be the empathetic side of the team, right? And that's not the right. But a be lot careful. of times, her science brain gets in the way. Yeah. So that's why I'm not annoyed with it mm-hmm. because you de- do see moments where she stumbles and falls on trying to be right. the empathy no. side. One hundred percent. And on top of that, I just I'm always got to be careful with myself since I, I know this happens a lot. In that there's that struggle we have. Being a proud feminist is not a bad thing. Yeah. It, if you are a true proud feminist, what you mean is you believe just inequality. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that men suck and they need to go down and that women need to rule. I'm literally saying the opposite of that. Yeah. Which is not that men need to rule. No. It is, I don't want men to have less. I just want to have an the equal yeah. amount mm-hmm. of everything. <laughs> it's just that fucking simple. Yeah. I just want to be equal. So on that note... We Part of that is just because shut down her being exactly empathetic. just because it can be a, yeah. a traditionally thing just because people have been forced into those roles mm-hmm. doesn't mean that when a woman is being empathetic it's because she's a woman. No. We Especially take away our own power when we decide that it's because of this thing. If we're choosing it for ourselves, Absolutely. who the fuck cares what our gender is? And there you go. Especially because mm-hmm. in this show there are, uh, I'd say, an equal number of moments where you see Daniel being exactly. the empathetic voice. <laughs> Ironically. Well, he's learned it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's that moment. Hey, the thing about 
like I have an extremely low empathy quotient. However, on the other hand, I've been told how annoyingly empathetic I can be in the sense that I, that's where my anxiety, where a lot of my anxiety comes from. Mm-hmm. Is I'm always constantly aware of shit. This could bug me. So would it bug them? That's I'm doing everything wrong well. always yes. because I'm always offending somebody. Dude, okay, no, yeah, exactly. Um, and a lot of my empathy has been learned. Right, but that's the thing is because it's just because. So just because some things have to be learned doesn't mean they're not real. Yeah. Like, for example, sometimes mm-hmm. people just like to hear gratitude. And, and it's a fairness, need or it's a like, depending on how you decide to define it for yourself. So go fuck yourself. Courtesy doesn't have to be a shitty thing. Just don't be a shitty person. In all fairness, there are certain aspects of um, societal uh, interactions right. and emotional responses that everyone had to exactly. learn. That's why children are kind of little mini, mini sociopaths. That's because they are all because sociopaths. they haven't learned what's right Exactly. Yet. No, literally, that's the whole point of parenting is yeah. to teach them right from wrong exactly. so and to learn what that, consequences like, are. That Daniel's learned his empathy mm-hmm. isn't saying that it's not, right. um, God, I, I just can't. It's not false. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not a facade. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not necessarily, for, but yeah. It's not equivalent. There you go. Is not saying that it's not equivalent to the empathy yeah. that Sam portrays. Yeah, it just depends on Daniel what his motivation Daniel just tends is. to meet his out a little bit more selectively. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And, it's like, and some people think that's a bad thing. I, I don't, personally. But yeah, it's that moment of just because you have to learn it. For example, like when somebody, you know, how many times does it take before you have to learn to ask somebody how they're feeling? Yeah. Before it clicks with you that people like to know that other people want to mm-hmm. know about them and if you don't ask they think you genuinely fucking don't care yeah. because you hear something else mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense to me still but it doesn't make sense to them that i'm like this and i soon like i'm like well i expect them to make accommodations for me so i'm gonna make accommodations for them yeah and that's just life and that doesn't make me a bad person so my empathy quotient might be really low because i don't think of the of the steps to take mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that when i'm taught taught that they are i won't do it yeah absolutely. and i think that makes me on average, not that shitty. No. You know, I like to think I'm a pretty, I'm a courteous person, you know? I you don't, don't hold the door open for a girl because it's a girl. I hold up a door for somebody because you person. hold a door yeah. open for somebody. Uh, so, yeah. So she's basically talking him through it in, so, like, she's obviously trying to connect him, get him back, you know, stabilized and back. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't uh, his reactions. It was her reactions yeah. that brought this up because she's being empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and part of what she does do this is very Sam. She starts talking about the details of the situation at hand. Yeah, she's bringing She applies her science. Yeah. Um, and she basically, she says the same thing as Jack at first. She's like, at first I thought this was time travel. But she immediately discards that one. Unlike Jack, who, like, clung to it a little bit longer. But Jack wanted to believe. Also, she's a physicist. Yeah, exactly. So she immediately pins on this is some sort of simulation. And she even, like, kind of suggests to him, well, maybe you're supposed to try and stop them from dying. I can't decide. Okay, so you, obviously, since you're the one who showed it to me, you know that thing that I can never remember her name. From Game of Thrones, the, the, the criticism chick. I love, you uh, love. Uh, 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 Lindsay Ellis. Thank you. Lindsay Ellis, when she was pointing out that the writers, just because Sansa knew what was coming, it wasn't because, she, it, it wasn't making a character smart mm-hmm. by telling them the future writing, basically. Yeah. They wrote her with knowledge that she wouldn't. She shouldn't have had. Exactly. The writers were pretending that Sansa was clever because she could see what was going to come, when in reality, it wasn't based on anything that was actually happening in front of she her. She just read the script. Exactly. <laughs> it was based, they were just giving yeah. her this knowledge ahead of time. It wasn't based on reality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even based really on suspicion. Because it ha- suspicion of what? Yeah. It's the idea of just because you can 
give, you know, a character the knowledge ahead of time doesn't mean it's, you know, good. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean it's good writing, right? So I have to ask myself here, when she figures out it's a game almost immediately, my first instinct is okay. she's she really does smart. does think it's a game. She never. Oh, sorry, not the game. game. Not the game. Not the game. Sorry, that she's he's supposed to change it. That she, he's supposed to change it. I get that it could very well be a logical conclusion. I'm just not entirely sure um, that the conclusion of you should change it makes sense to me. Okay, here's here's where I'm I feel like that might have been them giving her knowledge. I'm gonna come from it from this angle. Yeah. First off, um, I think you're putting a lot more emphasis on like her knowing something. It just seemed of like she knew. It. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it seemed more um, like a hardcore suggestion. This is probably some sort of simulation. Right, that which makes sense. At this that point makes, sense. makes complete yeah, sense. That's, that's fine. And then because she's and I think at that point Daniel's like, well why are we here? Right. Okay. So uh what else is happening in the scene except for the parents dying? True. Nothing. Yeah. No. So it's a it's and she does just say maybe. She does not say no. this is what you're supposed to do. And also I would argue Again, coming from the empathy side, maybe she's just saying giving him something to do will help help him get maybe. through this. No, nothing that you said is I have no problem with any of that. I, I generally yeah. have no problem no, with that. I get it. And so I like, wasn't as, and I wasn't really even yeah. like certain that no, it was a problem. I just was kind of waffling when it happened, yeah. kinda of like wondering and was kinda of consistently wondering about it off and on, just like no, I here's was the thing. that you leading up to it when you started bringing up yeah. Game of Thrones. I'm like, I know exactly what her point's gonna be, but I was just letting yeah. you talk through it anyway. And so I was like, okay, but she didn't like. It's not the same as, and like, I'm not even arguing with you because again, you're like, I'm not even like fully honest. Yeah, but it's I'm, not the same as I know this thing is gonna happen and right, I can yeah, plan yeah. for it. It's her being like, well, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. No, what I, else is there right. to think about this moment right, right now? And I and I yes, I agree. I I just what mostly for me was we probably could have used one more line of dialogue. Yeah, honestly, it was just it seemed a very quick. Yeah. No, I I think it conclusion. It would have been strengthened with a single extra line yeah. of dialogue, but it's not offensive. No, it's not, yeah, it's not that it's offensive, it's mostly just the, because here's the thing, it's, as a physicist especially, I yeah. know she's already dismissed time travel, and that's fine, but the thing is, when you're in a situation like this where something's repeating and you don't know what's going on, damaging the uh, repetition could potentially destroy, like, the structure that you're in. Maybe that's and, her goal. Right, but that could also be, like, resulting in death. So, my thing is, like, that extra line of dialogue mm-hmm. could be something that is a middle ground between Where she's it could be nothing or we should probably try to, to kill change. ourselves. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm thinking about like the scientist side of her where she's like, we need to change one element. Exactly. Because it seemed like she went from all, some, from nothing, like this is could be this, yeah. to so we should potentially kill ourselves. I, I feel like it's a middle ground of, or you could walk up a flight of stairs first. Just a thought. It's not offensive, but it could have been. the room, they could have gotten out immediately, we find out later. Right? So that moment of, exactly, it's just like, why, when you say I change will, things, why? I will also say, and again, I, like, I, I know I'm arguing a lot for when you're not even that firm on it. Right. But, like, I will also say, this is a sort of trope. It's not, like, a, a wildly, like, prevalent trope. Right. But, like, the idea of revisiting um, something traumatic in your past is a known trope. And it is always used to be a opportunity to fix it yeah so like that's just a known thing in society's mind so it doesn't it's not that surprising that she would look at oh a hero cycle (laughs) exactly that she's looking at oh you're re-seeing your parents die maybe try and stop it you've convinced me and it (laughs) uh it because it fits in great fits in the puzzle piece Daniel tries to talk his parents um, out uh, from under the hangings. They'll let you describe this while I just sit here and not cry. <laughs> Him 
and Jack are the same. They try once, and then they're like, no. Yeah. Daniel does try. He goes up, and again, an amazing amount of acting from Michael Shanks, where he starts, like, talking to his parents, and he sounds like a kid. Yeah talking to his parents like he's got like a softer voice and he like simplifies his language a little bit and just like he and it, like his body language even goes more like a child like he just does it yeah and it's so good but he like tries to talk him out and they're like no no we're busy blah blah blah, blah. um and then he even tries to be like no um I, you need to come out because I, I really hurt myself i think i broke my leg <laughs> and his mom's like, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't be walking around. Right. <laughs> I'm not a parent, and I can only imagine. And I know as a kid, I was a fucking handful in terms of always being injured. So I can totally see parents just being like, Ch chill, kid, we'll be yeah. there in a sec. I'm not judging, yeah, but at we, the same time, the every time it happens, I'm always just like, fuck you. <laughs> That's the thing. We don't know what Daniel like was a child at all. No, of course not. At Nothing. Yeah. And we never get no. an indication of what he was like yeah. as a child. No, you're which good. Is, yeah. Suddenly, I never even thought about that before, mm -hmm. but now I'm like genuinely curious. Like, we never get any idea of what he is, was as a child. Yeah, I could see him all over the place. Because even with his, when his grandpa shows up later, his relationship with his grandpa is more based on like, college age Daniel yeah. than child Daniel. Well, because he hands him in the foster care because uh, Nick won't take him. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be in... Uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't want to be a parent. <laughs> Which I get. Like, if you can't handle a kid... I mean, the best you thing you can do yeah. if you are not a fit parental figure is to acknowledge this fact. However, it's still shitty when somebody won't take the oh, step absolutely. to be a yeah. better parental no. figure. To be something for a no, person who clearly needs it. We're not going to say that his yeah. grandfather was a good person. I'm sorry. When you but... have a kid, you are now, I'm sorry, fuck you. Whether that's to give the kid up for adoption or not, you have a responsibility. You had children that you did, apparently did not give up for adoption. You had a kid that you didn't, you know, it's your kid. Mm -hmm. You raised it. So now that kid has a kid, and I'm sorry, that extension of responsibility is still kind of there. Yeah. I know you're not responsible for your kid's actions. I get that. But you did start the line and this is a vulnerable human that could really use your help and it's just a little shitty of you that you uh maintained your own course yeah like again it's good that you didn't fuck the kid up but again you kind of fucked the kid up because yeah. you decided that you didn't want to try uh so his attempts don't work and the parents die again there's another moment of just like intense trauma on daniel's face witnessing them die again yeah. here's the moment where you just see him from one breath to the next just like completely shut down his face just Oof. goes like cold oh yeah because he's basically like no nope. i'm not investing myself in this it's pointless it's not gonna help me it's only gonna hurt me i'm out and he just his face just has this like quiet fury mm -hmm. as he walks back to sam especially oh, yeah. when as this is happening the people in the shrouds come out and are watching yeah which uh, just they're obviously they've had centuries now of just bored watching. Yeah. So they've completely desensitized yeah. to pain. And so they're now watching a new person going through a horrifying incident. It's a new experience for them. Yeah, and that's at the very, at the most to them, that's what it is. They're just like, cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair, they gloss over one massive subject, which is the human mind is literally not equipped to handle centuries of activity, like because we die after 80 plus years. So they gloss over hard what potential degradation that's caused to the psyche of these people who have been, you know, floating around doing watching this shit for who knows how long so i'm looking at my notes and i'm realizing we had a long discussion about something that doesn't actually apply hmm. because uh so he comes back obviously mad and sam's trying to like as she's like trying to talk him down and because they see the observers and everything 
this is when she says uh, that they think that uh, she thinks that they're trying to replay the most traumatic memory to try and fix things. Oh. Uh, I have it specifically in my notes right here. Okay. So I must have, but even then, that's okay, still, we all do it that. still mostly applies. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Because she did, she does have that fuck, that, there we go, we don't need that extra bit of dialogue because we see, instead of the extra bit of dialogue, we see that we have observers. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, the, that's t- the element that you yeah. need. Yeah, that's that extra thing you needed. Because it's like, that just seems like an interesting conclusion to immediately yeah. jump to. Because she didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that I makes sense. No, I think it was just that he saw them again and he just couldn't resist trying to talk them out of it. That makes sense. Or maybe she, oh, no, I think, I think what she did say at that moment was basically like, try and more or less like read read the area, try and figure out what's going on here. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Being the scientist yeah. part of her. Yeah, so it, 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 it tracks. It tracks. She doesn't tell him to try and save him. She just told him to, like, try change. and get an yeah. idea about what's going on. Yeah, here. try to change, like, an element or something, yeah. maybe. Uh, so... But yeah, then, this is this is when the uh, religious allegory started yes, becoming real fucking start, apparent. <laughs> this is when we actually talked to the right? gatekeeper. Before it was just him ordering <laughs> Jack and Teal to run. Now he has a conversation. Right. Like, don't get so, me wrong. The Garden of Eden aspect was the Eden-like the garden yeah. part was already kind of there, but that wasn't necessarily any sort of religious thing because the Eden-like thing has been used a million times yeah. over for a variety of things. No, I liked it because when we first saw it, you were kind of like rolling your eyes and like, God, another garden. Another of Eden. Eden. But then it kept getting deeper. Steps and you're like, oh, it's not just a clumsy little ah. nod. It's like a whole allegory going on here. So the gamekeeper shows up, or the keeper, uh, shows up in Daniel's um, simulation now. And Daniel, much like Jack, just like starts ripping into him. Like, I am not playing this game. Like, he says the same thing, I won't play. Oh, yeah, that's what I was, I think the reason why their dialogue was so similar there is because I bet they felt awfully lot like rats in a maze at that mm-hmm. point. There are, what I like about the, with, with it being Jack and Daniel being the ones who are both having these experiences separately, mm-hmm. um, is that there are a lot of differences between them, and we normally see the differences between them. Mm-hmm. Like, when they're conflicted over whether to stay on a planet or leave, and th- those kind of things. There are also a lot of similarities between them. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot of times in them saying the same thing at the same time mm-hmm. or just sharing a glance and not having to communicate. We do see that. Yeah. But this is another great example of when they're in completely different locations, mm-hmm. they don't have each other to like read off of each other, and yet they still have the same reaction. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not playing. Not to undercut anything you yeah. just said, but uh, upon the reveal of a third party who's, you know you're in a simulation, mm-hmm. you know you're in a loop at this point, you're definitely realizing this is probably the orchestrator. So you're feeling pretty fucking manipulated at a, on an instantaneous yeah. level. So I can totally see, especially with their temperament, yeah, both absolutely. getting, feeling manipulated. You're the orchestrator. It's, you are playing me like a puppet. Fuck you in your game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that these are autonomous people who yeah. are, they're both very confident of the fact they've always been in charge of themselves and their fate. And they're yeah. very not but okay with say, that being taken away. I don't see Sandy's in the same language. She was exactly. That's situation. what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Exactly. It's like, they would have, they handled yeah. that mm-hmm. very differently than how Sam yeah, exactly. would have taken it. But because those two are for themselves. Jack it, and Daniel have that similarity mm-hmm. when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially because they've been through a lot of the same Daniel, situations. But, yeah. yeah. Daniel's, of course, the pa- he's the seemingly passive one, which, yeah. of course, makes him a little bit more terrifying as yes, that solid force. Because <laughs> you think he's going to be squishy, and then he isn't, and you keep trying to push on it, and he just gets somehow even more strong. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize he's basically a weeping angel, and now he's in your face and you're going to die. It's just like, oh, yes, oh, oh, my God, I love that comparison. It's like, seriously, like, you blink and he's there. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> He, like, it feels like that with yeah, him, with no, his, uh, with I, his I like um, approach to things. Yeah. And so I can definitely see them both being 
like I said, he, especially with his background, he would not, uh, foster kids would not feel like about having a lot of control in their lives. No. So the keeper's like, wildly frustrated with Jack and Daniel both having the same reaction uh, and like acts like offended like they've offended him for having these reactions or whatever yeah he's... and so he brings Teal'c and Jack to the museum and there's a great shot where okay first off the little screw things they use to teleport are not great graphics but but that was a fucking a cool really great shot when he brings them in where they're in the, the, the little, the little, the giant screw thing, and in the little hollows between the spirals, yeah. you see the background of the place that Jack and Teal'c just got taken from. It is such a genius little shot. It's, Again, Martin Wood delivering. It's literally copy-paste Photoshop as a simulation. Yes, he's copying, so he's, he's not copy-paste, copy, uh, he's uh, cutting and yes. pasting. He's literally cutting them out of their background, putting him into their simulation, and then blending the background to match the new simulation. Which works very well, because as Daniel says later, we're new software. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's so, I, we both were like, oh my god, at the same time. Right, because that was a cool shot, yeah. man. They didn't have to do that, and I really liked that they did. <laughs> oh, Keeper has this whole list of, like, his frustrations with the humans, and I don't remember any, I don't remember most of it, but the one word that I wrote down was he says non-competitive. They're non-competitive. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I love it because it cuts to Jack, and Jack looks so offended <laughs> at being told he's non-competitive. It's really funny. Yeah, I'm still trying to see. Because it's a game, and they don't want to play it. Yeah, but the competitive line really kills me, because that makes me think that he wants one to No, it's about beating him. Win. Not, it's not about them beating each other. My first thought was, I wonder if that was like kind of like a weird play like on amb- ambition, and like a, a, oh, yeah. a d- disappointed parent. Not wanting, you know, their kid doesn't want the same, you know, yeah. like high success they do or something I think like that. That's what his wording meant, yeah. but his wording is always weird. Yeah, that's so it's the like whole just, point. Yeah, like, I just He's got just, that detached. I was pondering it. <laughs> but I just love how mad Jack looks at being called non competitive. <laughs> so, of course, when he starts explaining everything, Sam wants to know the science behind it, and Jack just wants to leave. Sam, god damn it. Jesus Christ. You, you know, you don't. Like. Priorities, please. <laughs> uh, and this is where they talk about how um, he points out that this team, the team is really good in the simulation because everyone else here, the residents as he calls yes. them, uh, have been here for a while. There are no new experiences for them to watch. These people are bringing new experiences in. So, And then Daniel refers to themselves as software, new software. He explains that he couldn't get anything from um, Sam or Teal'c. Because there was a block, basically. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't know why, but Teal figures out, oh, it's because of the Jill and our reminisce from you and gold and me. So Teal knows. All women and people of color have not quit in their yeah. blood. It's uh, very easy. And the game keeper explains that the reason they have these chairs in the, the simulation is because the planet that they these people used to live on was destroyed by chemical disaster. The team points out that the planet is flourishing now. Yeah. Like, no, you can live on the planet. You can get out of the simulation. And he's like, no, no, it's not. Definitely isn't. <laughs> and when um, Jack and Daniel try to, like, in- hey, you can leave. It's fine now. Like, they talk direct. And he's like, huh. And, like, makes the people leave so that they can't keep, like, infecting the residents with the misknowledge. Um, and he's so mad at that that he's like, fine, you, you can go. <laughs> yeah. And they all wake up in their chairs. And Which... I appreciate 
But Sam immediately is like, this feels too easy. Right. I loved, I, oh, Jack's response and was Jack great. Jack was like, yep, you're right. let's go. You're good, let's go. He goes, yeah, you're right. Let's go. It's very just Jack. Go. <laughs> just, I, I, I lost it. I was so happy. I'm just like, yes. He's like, whatever. Uh, if. If it is too easy, we'll figure it out later. If it's not too easy, I don't want to be here in right. case something like, goes wrong later. I'm not going to waste the potential opportunity for freedom mm-hmm. questioning it. Yeah. What if that's the old... It's like that guy in Prisoners who's telling everybody, Escape! Escape! It's like, dude! Escape! You could have left! You're weirdly altruistic all of a sudden, dumbass. I, I did skip a part where um, the reason he actually lets them go is because Daniel, like, literally blackmails the gamekeeper by saying, we'll keep telling them. If you keep us here, we'll keep telling them. <laughs> you you need them to watch, right? So, by definition, they're going to be in here watching. I just watching. love the just straightforward <laughs> blackmail. It's like, what are you going to do? I mean, you can either have them watch or you can have them not watch, but one of these things is not like the other, and one of these things is not the situation you described as you needed. Yeah, so after he lets them go and Sam says that this is too easy and Jack says, I don't care, let's go. They go back through and they're, you know, getting the check-in and everything. Janet's doing a check-in and there's there's a slight element of off yes. about everyone they're talking to. Honestly, to me, it was, I'm not even kidding. It was her eyeshadow. It was her eyeshadow. I'm not even kidding. Well, it's I not like she doesn't wear it in other episodes. Right, but it was really just, it was the, um because I think his version of Janet was a little more, and I don't mean this in the way it's possibly going to sound, brazen. He doesn't understand subtlety. Yeah. He doesn't understand refined. Whereas that's all that Janet is, is subtle. subtlety, you know? And so where some, not that she looked bad, don't get me wrong, no. she still looks sexy. It was just the, I, it's heavier than she normally Yeah, does. right? She probably would have done like a, a sweep. Yeah. Because she's a doctor first and necessarily wouldn't, mm-hmm. she knows how to be a woman, obviously, and so on, so on, so on. I just don't necessarily see a, see a doctor putting on a ton of eye makeup because if it gets into your eyes yeah, like, during absolutely. surgery, mm-hmm. that's not the most practical thing. No. So I just feel like that's not necessarily something no, she would have done. Like, not, like most doctors, for example, don't wear nail polish for that yeah. same reason. Oh, yeah. You know, surgeons, uh-huh. I should say. It's that kind of thing. So it makes sense. The heavier eye makeup could have actually been a slight element of it because yeah, he's not thinking they about it. They paid a lot of attention to details right? in this episode. It's, she's not Janet the doctor. She's Janet the thing that's going to get them to go back into the chairs. So it doesn't... It, she's not about being subtle. She's about being extreme. She's about being in your face. And she's about looking... Like, not the accurate thing. Exactly. Because uh, we have a briefing um, after the checkup, and the team are basically explaining everything. And this is another clue that there's something weird going on, because Janet's sitting in on the briefing. I mean, I think she's been in, like, at least one. Only when there's a very, yeah, because there was a very clear medical element element to it. Which, technically, I'm going to play play devil's advocate because of the whole brain element. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and I was like, okay, fine. She would have theoretically had a reason to be there. Um, They did have things in their brain. But the briefing is just Hammond and Janet and them. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, And And they don't even have, like, any of their folders in front of them, if I remember correctly. I don't think they did, no. If it it was a very feel. empty scene. It, that's what it felt like. That's what I'm saying. It felt and like it wasn't a briefing. It felt another, remarkably lacking in information. And another important scene that about framing is that Hammond and Janet were sitting on one side mm-hmm. of the table. Very and oppositional. The team were sitting on the other side, all in a row. Yeah. Which is not normally how they sit. They all sit spread out. Yeah. And plus, t- Hammond usually sits at the head. Yeah, exactly. Which he was not. He was sitting on the wide part with Janet. Mm-hmm. But it's basically, it's very clear to, like, the viewers as the briefing goes on that Hammond and Janet are not right. Because Hammond is, the, there's just certain things, they're never, like, it's kind of like when Anne had Joel in her, in her. And she did a decent job of staying out of the radar, but every now and then she'd say something, and it's like, really? 
Uh, and there's, it's a little bit more obvious with um, Hammond especially. Because he's usually protecty, yeah. not throwy. Exactly. <laughs> Hammond's saying, go back through, get more information in the simulation. And the team's yeah. like, no, we're not going back in the simulation. Are you kidding me? We barely got out the first time. And he's like, you got out the first time, you can get out the second time. And then this is, okay. They got is- out of the prison plan. It doesn't mean they want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and he does, okay, um. So, the team starts to slowly figure out that something's not right here, and as he's, like, arguing why they should go through and why it's important to, like, actually look into these chairs and the technology there or whatever, uh, he brings up some very personal things to Jack and Daniel about, like, the reasons they might want to go back into the simulation, and each time he brings up one of them to one of them, they both get, like, a, wait a second... Well, like, taken aback. would have never brought yeah, that up. because they're just taken aback for, like, a millisecond and heading straight into, the fuck? Yeah, they have a what? And then as, they both, like, look at each other when that happens, and you know in that moment they both know. I believe the moment that Sam gets it is when he says, uh, because when they're like, yeah, we got out once, that doesn't mean we're gonna get out again. And it's when Hammond says, we'll send you through, and if you're not back in a week, we'll send SG2 back. <laughs> and I think that's when Sam goes, wait a second. A week. <laughs> the fact that the gamekeeper thought that was going to fly is wild to me. I mean, don't they have like literally 48 hour check-ins? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. The he says a week. Oh my god. Um <laughs> so Jack's like, okay, no. This is we're clearly not back. The gamekeeper is clearly fucking with us. So he goes up and like starts peeling it, like, grabbing it in Hammond's yeah. face, and Hammond's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for the seams of the mask. <laughs> and credit to the show, again, with, like, the, the directing and everything, Jack lays down, hey, we're still in the simulation, I know this is this is fake, we're not actually an SGC. Hammond, fake Hammond, keeps it up. Like, actually has them, like, Detained? Detained, there we go. The whole team, has the whole team detained, because at this point, Daniel's also, like, very, like, all of them are like, we're not, we're I not I tried to home. turn MP into a verb, I was like, they were MP'd? <laughs> but, so that he has them all detained, and they're all put in one of those little brick rooms. Yeah, as much as I was gonna bring up earlier, was one thing, another for directing choice, is he always uses his space. Because they're all very spread out, and each using a, a piece of the, of the, of the room to their own end. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say, before we get to the brick room, is that, kudos to, like, the directing choices here, after they get pulled out of the room, they don't choose to, like, suddenly make the gamekeeper appear or anything. No, it looks like it's still just Hammond being like, what the fuck is wrong with my team? Right. Except for the fact that we've seen that Hammond's acting weird. Right. And there's definitely something up with this. But, like, they don't just be like, ah, yeah, you got Ta-da. us. Yeah, it's like, no, well, they they keep for just the second, almost the seat of doubt. So that they have the reveal is much better. Uh-huh. Like, him turning into the gamekeeper in that moment would have been expected. Cheesy. Yeah. And when I say expected, they, just the other kind of expected. What they do instead is so much better. So they're in the brig, and like you said, they're all spread out. Daniel's sulking on the top bunk of a bed. Looking like a child again yes. with his head, head on his hands, just like, mm, I'm grumpy. And they're basically just talking about how they clearly are still in the simulation, and like, how do we solve this? And there are two guards in the room, and this is another one of those great things with the panning of the mm-hmm. camera where you don't see one of the guards in the room because the camera's framed on, like, the other side of the door. So you see one of the guards in the room. And as Jack is walking, talking about, like, you know, we're still in the simulation, blah, 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 he starts walking towards the door, and the camera follows him. Mm-hmm. And as it follows him and that guard starts to move into shot, the guard is turned away with him in the back of the shot because Jack is the focus of this shot. 
with the guard in the background of that shot, while Jack is talking, he turns, but keeps his head still slightly turned away. And then when Jack finishes talking, he finishes turning his face, and it's Kowalski. It's Kowalski! No, it was great. He used the space, the panning, and the shadows. And the shadows. Oh my god. And then, so well. And then the, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know the actor's name. I know, I was just Kowalski. thinking, too, to his but credit, he, he does a like, great job with it. He nails his yeah. body language for that scene. Like, he, he has his head perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't look unnatural when yeah. he's doing it, either. And his entry line, even, just kind of yes. comes, he portrays it. There we go. He portrays the whole thing very well. Mm-hmm. He's basically there to try to convince him to stay. And he tries to use empathy of, like, the, the team knowing him. To, and, of course, he doesn't really have any connection with Teal'c, so he doesn't try to appeal to Teal'c. <laughs> um, but he tries to, like, play on his, his history with the rest of the team. Like, oh, we can still hang out, blah, 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 blah. You don't have to say goodbye to me. And then Jack just punches him in the face. Right. And they break out. <laughs> and so they're like, okay. And as soon as they w- break out... The watchers are there. They one of them immediately comes forward, pulls up her veil, and starts like hey, being like, "Hey, what you said earlier is that true? Is it fine? Can we leave?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And like, well, the gamekeeper said otherwise. He's lying to you. <laughs> yep. And one of them's like, "Well, how? Why should we trust them over the gamekeeper?" And then Jack has the over genius the idea. Oh yeah, because the, the keeper, the one who's protected us our whole lives, yes. and has always told us the truth and so on. And Jack has the genius idea to just dial out to that planet in the simulation and take them with them, which is a really good idea. Because it's like, hey, it's pulling from our memory. We don't have a bad memory of your planet. This is what it is right now. We were just there. So if we can go through the, the gate to your planet, this is what your planet looks like. And the Keeper, unfortunately, is on to him. The, the gate forms and everything. And as they're about to go through, Hammond alone, again, they do a great job of, like, emptying the scenes. Right, because more characters and more NPCs would take up more processing power. Exactly. So Hammond alone is in the, the uh, gate control room and turned off the, mm-hmm. the gate. And he's, like, yelling at them from, like, he's You are trying my patience or some shit. He's clearly not Hammond anymore. Right. And not even trying <clears throat> to pretend to be Hammond anymore. God. And Jack and Daniel just run after him. <laughs> uh, Sam and Tilka coming from another direction. Basically trying to cut him off. Uh, and they do more or less, except they don't actually cut him off. But they'll meet up in the end. Uh, so they basically chase after him. As they're chasing after him, Hammond turns into the gamekeeper, uh, who keeps running, and the running is so funny to watch. It's it's Especially great. he's keeping his hands together in that weird gesture the whole time as he's running. And Mike Schultz is so good. Right, and honestly, the CGI transition was quick enough that- It's not bad. Going, it's it isn't, terrible. I mean, I've- it was 98. Yeah. And I've seen worse. They, they, what they're smart about is they always do it with motion. Exactly. They it's the best place to do it. it. Yeah. Because when, when they do it um, in the museum, when the, the person who told, tried to tell like an eight-year-old kid he's not supposed to be in this room, um, the gamekeeper turns from her into him at one point. Right. And he does that by her turning. So like they always know to like use motion to help right. lower the effect. So they're mm-hmm. chasing after him, and they chase him through a door that has the same, like, spiral screw. Yeah, that cool screw uh, yeah. emblem on you the door. You pointed that to me. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I mean, the camera, you know, lingers on a hardcore. You were sticking a note. That's yeah, the only reason. Yeah. yeah. Like, the camera gives you plenty of time to see it, which I like. It's like, I like them going, hey, we, it's like that thing from Portal 2 where um, there's a sign on the wall that says, please look directly at an implosion. Yeah, so it's the little <laughs> screw thing, yeah. like, um, they got teleported mm-hmm. with earlier. And they run through it, and as soon as they run through the door... They wind up in the garden and confronted with themselves in the chairs. They're looking at themselves in the chairs. Mm-hmm. And the moment they see themselves in the chairs, 
they wake up. I do love that because you, you can't maintain an illusion upon the reveal. I mean, like, yeah, literally. You, you, you just lifted the veil, so exactly. to speak. Exactly. It's, it's, it's more, it's, without time travel, it's like paradox. Exactly. Um, you can't be in a simulation it's when opening you're Schrodinger's that box. you're in a simulation. Yeah. Breaking the, the, the function. Yeah. You, as soon as you open the box, now the cat is either dead, dead or, alive. or alive. Up until the moment you open it, it's both. No, it's a really genius way to break out of Yeah, it's great. Because up until that moment, they could be asleep or awake. And it doesn't take any talking either. That's what's really great. There's so many ways that you could have them escape, quote unquote, that would be so complicated and pointless and boring. But this is just really like, yeah, this is how it happens. They saw themselves and now they're there. It's really concise and beautiful. It's, a, again, a really good directing choice and all that. But yeah, Martin was so great, yeah. they are awake now. They come out to, like, talk to him and, oh, they see him skitter off again. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 skitter. you're not getting away with this. He runs like that. Right, I love it. He does um, skitter. So they chase after him in the real world now. It's funny. I, up until that point, I always kind of assumed he was just an AI. And I didn't realize he had a physical body as well. It was kind yeah. of funny. Like, obviously, it was, as soon as you realize he's the one making the garden, it makes sense. But I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, does, what, does he have a body and a, does he download? I, I just immediately had some questions logistically. I mean, he might be an actual biological person who's just mentally become that because yeah, of the it, world. Yeah, it's never really specified yeah. and it doesn't really need to be. So, it I like it. Need to be. Yeah. so they corner him to like, confront him like, no, 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 you're not getting out of this without like a conversation. Right, at the very um, least you're getting a conversation. And the keeper says that the people ruined the planet in the first place and can't be trusted with it again. Which honestly, again, is a great tie back to the Tolan. I just thought of that. It's such a there's so many great like subtle nods to things that have already happened. Um, which it does, it's not surprising that Jonathan Glasner and Brad Knight Wright would be the ones acknowledging that continuity exists. It's their show, and he points out that anyone could leave the simulation at any time because the doors, like the the ones that the team ran through with the little screw on them, exist all over the simulations. And the team points out, yeah, they'd have to know they exist to do that. And he goes, well, they know now from following you. And then they're like, okay, yeah, but they would also have to know there's something to go back to. And he's like, well, they know now because of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were the uh, proverbial, um, the dove that Nikki was, what was it? Came back with the olive branch. The olive branch, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I've compared it to uh, the Wally, which yeah. back the, mm -hmm. the bit of the shoe plant. Yeah. Right after, he's like, well, they know now. They know now because of you. Then you start to see people walking out of the dome. And they're just like, oh, my God, about all of this greenery and everything. And you just see people, like, delightedly picking flowers and playing in the ponds. It's really cute. And it's all happening in the background. Like, the one who um had t spoken to them initially, like, goes, talks to them again, like, hey, thanks for this, blah, 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 you know, right. the kind of wrap up, thank you for your help. But you just see in the background, like, people, like, picking flowers. And Good luck learning how to feed yourself again after 12,000, right? years. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and my favorite was the one who's just, like, kneeling at the pond, just, like, splashing water out. <laughs> it's really cute. They're like children learning how to be people again. I, I know that they did have a throwaway line where they mentioned that the machines kept them nourished. And not, I'm assuming... That was also insinuating that they were keeping their somehow their muscles from atrophying yeah. because obviously they weren't skeletal when they yeah, came no, in, absolutely. and that just and obviously they're able to move and all that. So it just really does impress me that it's like good luck learning how to eat again yeah. because you have been maintained now for twelve hundred years. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some people's simulations might have had them eating. Maybe they just 
Have fun with that, learning how to take care of yourself again for the first yeah. time in forever. It's gonna be, like, and I'm sure SG, SGC is gonna send people Yeah, through. I just, I just love the first like, like, make sure that the keeper doesn't right, just put people back in right, the chair. No, I'm just imagining the literal shit farm they come back to oh, because yeah. these people have literally no idea what they're doing. No, I'm sure that, I'm sure this planet is gonna be one where they have regular... Pres- a regular presence there until they yeah. know that they can take care of themselves again. Yeah. I'm just, I'm sorry, but that, there's no way in hell that situation didn't devolve immediately to the point where I know the first mission would have been like only like a week or so yeah. later, but I'm talking a literal shit farm in about a week. No, yeah, it gets about. real bad for just a couple days and then things are fine, but just for a couple days, it's, it's, well, it's, it's medieval how times. how much the keeper wants to keep the garden nice. He might stop that from happening. Maybe. He might actually, like, teach them just to keep them from destroying the- I don't know. I just have- I have lots of questions. No, I- 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 and, yeah, this is one of those where, like, it's, like, it's fine to end it here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I do love that- Before you like, have to question how they're gonna eat the tulips. I do love- the episode ends with the keeper just, like, loudly losing his shit over people picking flowers. Yeah, you're ruining their garden! He's just so mad. He's, like, yelling at people, like, don't pick that- no! No! redemption in this story. He really doesn't. He's still, like, he... I kind of feel bad for him at the end. Like, I I appreciate, like, he's not, like, an overtly evil character. Right. Um, because, like, he didn't stop them from leaving once they knew they could leave. Like, yeah. he makes the point about, like, they could have left at any point in time. Yeah, but they didn't know that those doors existed. Well, they do now. They also didn't know they had a place to go to, back to. Well, they do now. He doesn't try to stop them from leaving at that point. And he doesn't even do anything to them. He yells at them. For picking flowers. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's not an overtly evil character. He's just not a good character. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Now, it's your turn. The episode's <laughs> over. It's your turn to get into your Bible, Alrighty. Uh, your Bible lesson. Bible time with lists. <laughs> Sister Catherine's worst fucking nightmare. Okay, so, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. you already know the basic story of Lucifer. Sam. Yeah. The idea was... God created the angels, and then he created man, and he told the angels to worship man even more than he worships, than they worship God. Yeah. They all said yes because they were mindless trolls. Yeah. And Lucifer, you know, the, the morning star, the bringer of light, the, the best son of them all, looks up at his father and says, Are you fucking kidding me? They're goddamn worms. <laughs> exhibit A, exhibit B. Nah, son. And he gets cast out of hell. You know, out of hell. Out cast of hell. <laughs> and as a result, he gets cast out of heaven. And was, you know, the first fallen angel. So on and so on. Yeah. On top of that, we also know the whole allegory, not allegory, we know the story of Eden where he was the snake that tempts Eve into eating yeah. the apple mm-hmm. and gets them fucked out of the garden. But of course, somehow it's still Eve's fault. The element I'm going off here is I, I, I was back and forthing a little bit thinking, trying to figure out who or what was being represented yeah. here and where. And I was originally thinking that he was a representation of, like, Lucifer yeah. or Satan. However, I realized that he was too rigid and too regimented, and he was lying to them. He which was, is not yeah. how Satan works. Oh, yeah, he was distinctly lying to mm-hmm. them. Satan may be called the Prince of Lies, but like the Lucifer TV show does point out, I really do enjoy that he's very truthful. Because yeah. the thing is that he told God the truth. Mm-hmm. That was his thing. So I like that interpretation. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely lean more towards the idea that this is a hardcore allegory for, I, I don't call it the, the I call it a God 2.0, basically. Yeah. Where it's after a flood. It's after God has created man and has seen what they wrought, 
try to get in his like Noah's Ark right. But this is a different interpretation because you can see him literally seeing the ramifications of his actions. Yeah. Unlike in the other stories where there's always a, a, an element keeping him further a away. Distancing. Yeah, exactly. And I do like the element of um, the petulant father aspect yes. that he has here because oh, yeah. I agree with Eric Kripke's interpretation of God and Supernatural in that case where he's he likes to pretend that he's a benevolent father until you disrupt his narrative and then he gets pissy. Yeah. And he loves to pretend and preach um, non-interference except for when you stop playing his rules in his game and then all of a sudden he interferes the shit out mm-hmm. of it. He follows the rules except for when he doesn't because they're his rules and fuck you. Yeah. So yeah, so on that note... What really helps, you know, kind of bring all this in is I think he's more of, you know, God, yeah. not Lucifer, because there was this line. I was looking into some, you know, specific passages because I wanted to be able to reinforce what I was saying more than anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was, um, it was under the article for specifically, it's a Wikipedia one, I'll put the link up, obviously, but it yeah, was yeah. the background, Lucifer's background in Christianity and how, how heavily it borrows from uh, Babylonian mm-hmm. stuff and Hebrew stuff and Hebrew stuff. That was great. Hebrew stuff. I mean, fuck me, whatever. Um, So... Everyone can read that, you know, article to their content. <laughs> but what I love is this one passage about halfway through, which is describing the death of the king of Babylon, mm-hmm. which is the representation aspect here for Lucifer. Yeah. Um, and it's, I won't read the entire thing. It begins with how you have fallen from heaven, morning star. So that's how you know it has to do with Lucifer. But in this case, Lucifer isn't the Satan figure. It's yeah. in a different article. This is more about the variations of it. So this could, be, this could still fit within the God yeah. aspect. With that in mind, I do love the end of this quote. Those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home. That is exactly the plot of this That episode. threw me hard. Was made like, the world hit a the wilderness and it. would not let his captives yeah. go home. But at the that end, he's literal, defeated kind of yeah. by them because he has to watch them just destroy it again. So that really helped that. And then when I went to Satan's article, yeah. what I loved was they are called the Watchers. Yep. I wasn't taught this in any of my school. Watchers. Those who are awake. The watch. Like, those who guard. I mean, it's, it's both pearl and singular. I was originally thinking maybe they were like fallen angels. I realized the whole thing's fucking cool. They're, uh, my first thought when we were like, we we're watching them just in their regalia, I was like, oh, they look kind of like nuns, you know, they're just, they're the, uh, it's really, you know, great how they can just watch with disinterest and, you know, pretend to be a part. It kind of gets a little more emphasized, but they're more of the uh, cattle variety. And, like when she's questioning everything, it sounds very much like the whole lack of free will, yeah. which is indicative of angels versus humans and what the interlopers are now representing, which is perfect then you have the idea that maybe it continues with the goal of representing fallen watchers who were as this article rep- talks about it was a representation of corruption of uh knowledge was a corruption on man uh-huh. and there's definitely an interpretation of knowledge being <laughs> you know as a in the form of a snake taking over your body sure. your brain especially because they're all supposed to have the um genetic memory, genetic memory. exactly so it, that falls into there as well <laughs> and my favorite thing about it was if uh, one thing I kind of briefly touched on earlier was the idea of the Nephilim. You know, uh, another tiny piece in there because they those were the sons of man, sorry, the sons of God who mated with the daughters of man, and their children became the. Some people see them as the heroes of old, others as a different. Depending on how you look at it, no matter what, it's the snakes keep them from being able to be integrated back into paradise, yeah. much like a corrupting influence of you know fallen angels, mm-hmm. as well as they are the heroes that save the captives from God and release Jack and Daniel. Oh, no, I meant the uh, heroes were, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, I mean, because they first are both helping Jack and yeah, Daniel exactly. separately. Yeah, And then Ultimately, they help with, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's a very multi-layered, yeah. multi-tiered take. 
I don't know how much of it was conscious. I don't know how much of it was subconscious. I don't know how much of this I'm reading into. Either way, the pieces seem to fucking fit. And I really, I really love it. And at the very least, I, even if it's just a fan theory at the end of the day, dude, man, I fucking love it. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those moments where uh, the creator themselves would have to tell me to my face that it's wrong. Exactly. And it's not like I'd be like, oh, fuck you but it'd be like okay great what was it instead (laughs) i just love to know what it was instead (laughs) yeah so uh that's the end of this episode it was a journey um so nobody died nobody on the team there we go yeah i mean to be fair fair, no one technically died died. yeah these were all people who died already these were computer simulations so So nobody nobody died in this episode are you a jack or a daniel this episode you know, this is actually kind of hard for me, because I was leaning towards Jack, seriously, just for one line, just for the part where he goes, yeah, it does seem too easy. Let's go. Because I'm just like, yes. I will say, I already have but... my idea, so you can go ahead and think on it while I'm talking. Yeah, you do it. Um, I'm almost always a Daniel, right? but in this one instance, I was pretty I was pretty sold on me being a Jack. Yeah. Uh, partly because, so for the most part, him and Daniel have the same reaction to these moments where they're like, no, we're not playing this game. Daniel seems to be a little bit more emotionally invested from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, he has that moment of the shutdown. Right. But I wouldn't have had the bit beforehand. I would have compartmentalized a lot more like Jack did in his, where he got mad and said, that's the thing. Jack, when he was freaking out about it, got mad. Right. And that's that's the path I would have taken. So, and then, like, he went from being mad to being like, no, I'm, I'm not playing this game anymore. Right. Be confronted with something like that and be like, hey, what the what the hell's going on? You better tell me, blah, blah, blah. That's much more. All of his solutions in this episode, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Him being like, I'm going to just punch Kowalski and run, you know? Just, right. I very much agree with all of his choices in this episode. Not to say I disagree with Daniel's, but I just couldn't quite put myself in his shoes as much this episode because of how, because of the emotional notes in his parts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I can see why you would say that. I um, I'm definitely. It's definitely helped me establish that I'm actually for once. We're, we're definitely. Uh, I like how we flipped because I'm actually Daniel for kind of why you were saying actually, but yeah. not really. Because here's what it is for me. I couldn't decide because I couldn't decide on it based on the the experiences they were having. I decided to take one of my most haunting experiences real quick and flash forward through it a couple times, wondering how it would feel to go through it a few times like that and what my reaction would be. And so I did it, and I realized immediately what would happen, which I would get fucking mad however it's actually a pretty traumatic memory for me and it involves somebody that shouldn't it's from an in a nutshell it involves somebody who was supposed to be taking care of me publicly assaulting me instead like very publicly Mm -hmm. and violently i wasn't seriously injured it was more of uh the humiliation aspect uh of it it if somebody made me go through that particular moment over and over again, and I knew that it was being done looping, to me yeah. and looping and so on, and I knew that I couldn't change it, this was going to keep happening, it's a very different kind of trauma than obviously like watching your parents yeah, get yeah. crushed. I understand that, obviously. but it's about the experience of what it would invoke from me. Yeah. I would be a, it would seem like a combination of both, but it's not really because it is still heavily Daniel actually, because it would be <laughs> fucking angry and getting yelly and accusatory and fuck you i'm not gonna do this however it would actually be directed at the person who's doing it to me because i would not be able to to detach as well Uh i would be too emotional first because i know how much that memory what it does to me so on that note i'd be emotional as fuck 
for too many rounds yeah. before I got to act that the whole breakdown that he does uh, breakdown of like the how he's feeling in that yeah. moment kind of thing. So yeah, I'm Daniel because I wasn't angry, but I still say, heavily emotional. Uh, this is not the first time we've swapped. Yeah, uh, there are two other instances. Uh, where I was Jack and you were Daniel. Yes. I actually, I'm actually curious to see which ones those are. So I got this out to check. So, uh, Emancipation. Tuh. Interesting. I think it had to do with the archaeological side of things. Not, uh, anthropological side of things. Yeah, it's too bad I'll never know because that would involve me having to listen yeah, to the episode. Not, no. and I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it has to do with the anthropological uh, approach to, like, the other societies and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so Emancipation, and, oh, actually, three times oh. I've been Jack and you were Daniel. Uh, another one was The Torment of Tantalus. Ah, okay, I'm much less annoyed by that one. Okay, that one makes sense, because I was like, no, I would leave. <laughs> right? And I'm like, no, fuck you, I'd be staying. And the other hmm. one was The Knox. <laughs> that episode still gives me so many feelings. Yeah. That so many fuck you feelings. Like, debated, but not debated for, like, so long, because there's... Again, yeah, that's the fuck you feelings about the, that that race. Yeah, no, I was definitely a Daniel in that one. <laughs> For trying. He tried. There were other elements there. I can't remember what it was. Because as usual, it gets overwhelmed by the fuck you, Knox. Yeah, yeah. No, I get ya. Uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to revisit the ones where we actually had those moments. I always love when we ask these because it's always obvious by the end of the episode how right. we feel. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, thumbs up, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Two thumbs up. This Are you episode... not entertained? I haven't done it in so long. I, I missed know. it. I was very entertained by that. I enjoy religion and a safe application, which means practice it, don't practice it, embody it in a story, sure. whatever, as long as you're being respectful, yeah. of course. That's the ultimate goal. Religion as a topic of fascination shouldn't be, I don't think should be insulting. No. But what I go with that is I love it when it's used in these kinds of elements, especially since this one did a pretty good take yeah. on it. I'm sorry, it's not like it's fresh, fresh. No. But it takes all these well-known, well-used things and just fiddles with them just mm -hmm. a little bit. And I just, I like it. No, it's real good. It's real strong. And obviously casting has a lot to do with it, but... Oh yeah, Dwight Schultz just nailed his role in this. I just, I love any representations of mythology. Mm -hmm. And, I'm sorry, religion takes place. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of hand in hand there. And I really enjoy when it can be implemented in any way, shape, or form in a fun storytelling way. I think this was a really fun way to do all that stuff while also kind of playing into what we were saying earlier, which is this episode sets up a lot of, like, PTSD type shit. Because yeah. he lost somebody on that mission. It clearly fucked him up because this is a haunting memory. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't address it at... Oh, he's, they're not even, no, you, you're, like, they address Daniels with her empathizing with him kind of thing. You know, there's, I think it definitely doesn't help Jack that, like, Teal'c is also a soldier. Right. As soon as they got out of this, they just continued to, like, push down their feelings about those right. issues. So They I, didn't deal with it's it. It's painfully realistic in a way, honestly, because yeah. of the lack of addressing it. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's two men experiencing it. Yeah, I just, when you perpetuate the stereotype that this is traumatizing but you can get over it, you're telling people that when they're seriously affected by PTSD and aren't able to just overcome it, that they're weaker. That they're not, they don't have the strength of character or something. Well, like I pointed out earlier, I think it's very timely that the next episode we're yeah. going to be covering yeah. 
is need. Again, not, rem not remembering it as well, as clearly. I don't think it's going to be bad. I don't anticipate it being like a glossing over, not addressing it situation. I just hope it's slightly more addressing of the, of the topic that they present than this one. Because PTSD, despite the fact that the episode isn't treated like a core topic, is kind of a fucking core topic. Yeah. <laughs> because those two simulations are traumatic experiences that literally shape these people for the rest mm -hmm. of their lives. So PTSD is very heavily an element here, regardless of how you like to address yeah. it or not. I would have liked more involving it. I will say, I don't think you're going to get the level of wrap-up wrap up I think you want at the end of Need. But, like, when it's happening... I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be the perfect whatever. I do anticipate it being slightly better in terms of addressing it in this one, because I think, by definition, the condition he's going to be suffering from is... It has to be addressed in a, in a prominent manner because it's a prominent part of the episode. Yeah. And I mean that like, I as they say it out loud. It. Yeah, literally. They literally say it out loud versus this one where they literally never say out yeah, loud the, the PTSD part. Mm -hmm. They never bring that actual part up. Yeah. So I can understand how they didn't think it was necessary. I get why they didn't do mm -hmm. it. But unfortunately, it's something that lots of people think they don't need to do. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's just part of the problem as a result. And I hope that it's slightly different next episode. Yeah. Um, I did also want to say that we talked about this while we were watching it, and we do also have uh, the Hall of Fame for directors that, like, we, we have a lot of directors in this show that do a good job, but we only have two so far who are in our Hall of Fame for doing yes. jobs so phenomenal that we can't help but be like, this director is amazing. And Martin Wood was always already on the list, but we only had him down for solitudes before. Yep. We got to give him another check mark for this episode. I second your nomination. Too <laughs> many amazing shots with framing, with shadows, the binocular shot. Just too many good shots to not give him a commendation in the Hall of Fame for this episode. He could have done a crap episode, but have had just those brilliant moments and that would have been enough to establish it for me but the fact that he does all of the things On checks all of his boxes yeah. it's these little elements make it that much more transformative there you go. <laughs> so yep. it's it's kind of like wall culture's thing with a crappy movie made tolerable but no 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 this is a good episode mm -hmm. made great there by it <laughs> uh but yeah so uh we've said it a couple times already but next week we're going to be covering need yes i feel like we said we're going to be covering need every week lately because we're just ready for that episode <laughs> we are so ready for daniel and that <laughs> we're yeah, ready we are. we're just ready for michael shanks making to us just, very oh, happy God. in that episode as he makes us devastated i can't wait for manic daniel <laughs> i have the in impression that people who are not the greatest people to work with mm -hmm. would have a hard time working with michael shanks <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. As in, it's entirely their problem, but it's also because he's a little bit of an artsy type. Yeah, 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 yeah. In that note, I imagine need as that filming process being the days where you get the newbies off the set. Because he'll probably be like, he's a little too method. Much. I think he's. Be, I think he just goes a little. I think he's in order to act that well. You kind of have to embody yeah. to a certain level. God, the scene so, where he's talking with Jack in the throne room. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. I was kind of picturing him. God, what was he like off camera that day? Uh -huh. What was that like between takes? How much coffee did he have that right? day? Right? <laughs> to be fair, I can, I can also see it being completely wrong. Like yeah. Where he just like literally is just that good of an actor. He just can drop it between takes. But honestly, I think of him as a... So you know how Jared Leto went absolutely batshit yeah. for Joker? Ugh. 
I picture bef- that whatever stage before you come before to the you before you come to the conclusion that you're gonna send them dead rats and use condoms, whatever manic phase goes before you taking that amount of PCP is where he is, <laughs> where he's like, okay, what's a good way of methodizing here, but also not you know terrifying, mm-hmm. and I can just imagine that being the day where you get the noobs offset because yeah. everybody who's a professional can work with him. And I don't mean like he would be un- you know, impossible to work with, but can but handle know the, that this is a, an, intense, um, an intense, different moment. thing, yeah. and can ap- and can approach the situation differently, <laughs> appropriately. I get that feeling every time from this episode. Is that the moment I'm like, yeah, I bet Michael Shanks was interesting this episode. Um, so let's let's go ahead and wrap this yeah. up so that we can eat because I have only had some croissants today. Aww. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at it's Mel not Liss, and Liss at it's Liss not Mel. Or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com. And I can say, um, I'm we, not going to say we have, names. Or we've anything. officially received emails, so we know it works. And, the inbox works. Uh, if you're listening, thank you. We really appreciate it. It was really great to see it our, in our inbox. Uh, keep them coming, honestly. I, I love hearing from the people who are listening. Also, thank you to uh, Gatecast. Yeah, I was just going to say, shout out to for, Australia and shout out to Gatecast. For uh, listening to us and reblogging our, just thank you. Thanks, oh yeah, guys. no, seriously, Gatecast, I've always had the secret dream of being slightly more famous. And by that, I don't mean being a TV star. Yeah. I just like the idea of not being only known by the seven people around <laughs> me in life. No, and like, the idea that somebody is actually talking about our show yeah. on a different continent is exactly that little tiny push around. Like, yeah, don't get us wrong. We'd be doing this if no one was listening to us. Oh, yeah. Because when we do this, we get these great discoveries about the gamekeeper. Yeah. Like, it's really nice to actually hear from people who are listening to us and to engage. Like, I, I love it. It's really yeah. great. But yeah, Stargate is a great uh, piece of media and we want to talk about it with everyone. So uh, thank you, everyone, for all of your well wishes and everything. On that note, I officially, I told Mel this forever ago. So like day one with my Twitter, there was an <laughs> issue with the sign-in. And because we were brand new and I, I have a thing against social media, my exact words were, I don't want to tweet anyway. Let's get successful first and then I'll give a fuck. When somebody emails us, then I'll give a shit about my there Twitter. So now I have to go, f- I might have to redo my Twitter. <laughs> to, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what the process I'm sure is. sure you can figure I cr- it out. I tried when it was oh, broken. I I couldn't get it figured out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it <laughs> so out. So yeah, on the note with the Twitter, uh, that's actually technically an asterisk. Tweet her. <laughs> Tweet the, Mel. Or the uh, yeah. podcast Twitter. Yeah, part or, of the veil for a second. Usually if you reach us through email or, or Twitter, it's probably me you're talking to. <laughs> As Mel said, uh, you can tweet us, asterisk. You can tweet her for now until I get this sorted now that I officially have a a real strong motivation. It's one thing to talk to the void. It's another thing entirely for me to tweet to the void. (laughs) It's just odd tweeting to the void, you know? Uh, On that note, you can find links to the things we talked about during the show in the show notes. Uh, Basically, it's just going to be every Wikipedia article ever on the concept of religion. So, so that'll be fun. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time. Bye.